Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight, and alongside me we have David. Spoopy boys. Choo choo. Also known as Nightly. On the other end there, we got Freddy. Always keeping it spoopy. Also known as Nighty Night. We're a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question, why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. That's line with a what? Hey. Hey. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, the film that we are discussing tonight, gentlemen, um, I guess everyone is involved in this. I, sh- I, should, I should be a lot more neutral with that. Ladies, gentlemen, others, you're all welcomed here. I love you all. We love you all. But the film that we are discussing tonight is It Comes at Night. First and foremost, gentlemen, thoughts. Go for mm. it, Freddie. I always go Freddy, first. Freddie, you, okay. you, you go first. first. Go first. Okay. All right, all right. All right. Switch it later. I was like, David. <laughs> <"Hey, really>, David. <laughs> so, this is my second time watching this film. It's A24, of course. This is some studio that we obviously all kind of love in the door. And I got to say, I love this movie the second time going through it. And I think it's because I actually know what this movie really is about now, where mm-hmm. I can see where it's like it's very slow paced, it's very well shot it's well directed uh cinematography is really good the acting's really good and i i feel like i missed something on the first go around and now i get the point that's okay the movie is not to give you answers it's to give you what the family's really feeling uh mostly with their son and how he's going through pretty much his experience in this world of some type of virus or we don't even know the correct answer of what's really going on in the world but it's his perspective and how he's living his life that way and i was like okay i understand what the movie's really trying to give the intention for the viewer and i accepted it and knowing that i was like cool the payoff was that much better for me and i mm-hmm. kind of liked the ending even though they leave it a little ambiguous um and i felt very like cheated at the first time watching it i was okay <laughs> with it this time around so i was like cool I'm all about sure. it. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Uh, I, uh, David, what are your thoughts? This is your first time watching this, right? This is my first time watching this. Um, okay. Did I enjoy this movie? No. Do I think? <laughs> do I think it's a good movie? Yes, I think it's actually a very, very oh. good film. But I did not enjoy it because. Um, there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of um, mm. despair that's surrounding this film, at least when I watched it. Um, and I, it just didn't make me feel good. It's not why films like this aren't why I watch films, right? Um, mm-hmm. This just made me sad. This made me anxious. Um, and <laughs> that's why I didn't enjoy it. But I think it's a great film. I think especially it's an independent film, correct? Yeah. Yeah, for it being an independent film, it's shot so beautifully. The storytelling um, is brilliant, I think, because it doesn't rely on you knowing what's going on. 
It's just trying to capture the emotion of these two families and the situations they've been placed in and the, the mm-hmm. nuance between having people from different generations all crammed in one location and how they uh, have to interact with each other, right? Um, I think it's very interesting that we really take on uh, this film with the perspective of Travis and how awkward it is being at 17 um, and just kind of coming into your own with this difficult situation. I think it's a very interesting time um, deciding when we are doing this episode because, you know, we're still in the midst of COVID. uh, And I have known a lot of people that have struggled during this global pandemic. Right. And um, the anxiety has overtaken them and it's, it feels like there's no escape and they're isolated just as much as the characters in this film are. So um, I think that's why it's a a, a beautiful movie because I think it can resonate with people a lot more now. Um, I think it's great. I think the storytelling is amazing. I think it's shot beautifully. Um, It does what I always bring up. Um, It makes you ask questions, but for me, I like to get those answers and you don't, but I think there's something beautiful in that um, because it's left to respect your intelligence to really decide what it means. Um, but it made me feel yucky. <laughs> and uh, that's not a bad thing, right? That's a personal thing yeah. with me um, sure. because I'm just, I'm a little baby, right? I, I like <laughs> I like to feel good when I watch movies, but I think this is a great film. It's just not one for me. Sure, no, that that makes sense. Um, I think I think I am teeter tottering a little bit. Um, I did like this film a lot going around this second the second watch, um, and I think I'm with you on on that as well, Freddie. I I don't know if I loved it though. I, I don't think I loved this movie. Like I don't. I don't think I would watch this movie anytime soon again, mm-hmm. but initially this was a really enjoyable watch knowing the things that were initially going to happen this time around and understanding um, the dynamic, I guess, a little bit more has helped me realize how the film is supposed to be uh, initially tr- taught, I guess, in a way. But it's it's such an interesting movie altogether. I mean, and, and granted, this is for our isolation month, right? So um, this movie is extremely isolated in the way that it's shot and the, and the location and so on and so forth. And granted, you, you have those aspects of all these questions that pop up and honestly, none of them really get answered. Um, like, who killed the dog? I want to know that. Like who who, right. who who brought that who brought that dog in there? Yeah. Um I I like to think Travis did. I like to think I'll Travis think so sleepwalks. Yeah. So I you know it, it's it's all those all those things that are in my head um because there it feels like this movie doesn't really have a main character but obviously we we are drawn to Travis a little bit more in this film just because he 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 does seem like the odd one out in mm-hmm. a way. Um where Travis does there would be scenes of them all sitting at the table conversing or whatever. And Travis is the only person who doesn't have a smile on his face or he's the only one not talking or whatever. And it's stuff like that, that, that is super interesting um, about Travis. Um, And obviously we get other things of uh, the disease or whatever this disease is or virus or whatever that's around them where the virus, we've never seen the virus kill anyone. 
The virus never kills a single person. They kind of just kill each other. Yeah, that's so, a good point. It's just like, do we know this virus kills you? We know it's super contagious. That's all mm-hmm. we know so far. But do we know that it actually kills you or not? And it's it's very much cabin fever in that in that sense, um, which I I I've always thought was an interesting concept altogether in general, um, mainly of the whole concept of either sea fever, or cabin fever, or anything like that, where you kind of go stir crazy and you commit all these heinous acts and most of them are surrounded around a virus of some kind so it's very much that and you don't get the answer of like does this virus actually kill you like what happens so far all we know is that you kind of gag and (laughs) that's about it but i guess i guess travis was the only person who really died from the virus i guess yeah maybe that's Um, our confirmation because he kind of they just let him go peacefully yeah but he was he was like super peaceful and everybody else had to get shot and shit (laughs) i mean i i I think that reflects on kind of how people are in general right like when it's someone else that is you know a risk you're gonna just take out the risk but if it's one of your own then it becomes completely different and there's a there's an inherent bias to it that we all have um so it's it's kind of I think it's kind of a reflection of how hypocritical we can be when assessing people mm-hmm. that we have those biases. It, it's interesting you say that because like we start off the movie with them killing the grandpa, uh, his grandpa. Yeah. And like that, that was one of their own, you know. So I think I think the tables turn mainly because at that point in time, everyone was infected. Right. Mm-hmm. OK, you like, read my I, mind. I, I, yeah. Yeah, so you know, I I feel like we'll have a, a better discussion once we go deeper into it. But that's that's my thoughts behind it. I like this movie. I, I do like this movie a lot, and I actually would suggest this movie for certain people. But I would suggest them to one watch it in a time where the world's not so fucked up. Yeah, and and two watch it in, uh, uh, watch it a couple of times. I would I would definitely say this this definitely deserves two watches because I yeah. did not like this movie at all when I first watched it. I was just like this was same fine. Like it was beautiful. It was. I knew it was beautiful right off the bat, and um, I just didn't enjoy it. I just thought it was boring, and I had a lot of questions, and none of my questions got answered. And it wasn't until the second watch that I agree with Freddie uh, that that's okay. That's okay to have these questions and not have them answered and have them be ambiguous and mm-hmm. kind of have you be the person to uh, cleanse your own palate in a way. Um, right. So I think that's... Mm. Uh, that's kind of nice. I, I feel bad because David didn't really get to cleanse his palate because he's like jumping straight into this. But. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually like it because we have those different perspectives right throughout the show. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's Absolutely very true. love that. And I think yeah. when I first saw the trailer to this, when I first saw it the first time, I totally thought this was a monster movie. It was. Not. I so. I mean, I, it plays like that. Yeah, it, it does, does play like a monster movie. Because I went into this blind. I didn't read the the synopsis beforehand. I just hit play. All I knew was the title. So right, with the title yeah. alone, I expected I expected this to be a monster film. Um, yeah. And I was waiting around for that. And we have moments sprinkled throughout the middle of the film where you hear weird Stop. noises. Hell yeah. Um, Travis like depicts... It seems like he depicts creatures through his drawings. And then you want to mm-hmm. know what happens to their dog. Um, is it Stanley? Yeah, Stanley. Yeah, you wonder Stanley what happens to Stanley. And at, at that point when Stanley comes back... 
after running away, I, I think it, it's going, going to lead us down the road of finding out what's out there, but we, we never get there. Right. Which makes me think that this is definitely a uh, cosmic horror Lovecraftian kind of thing. Okay. Um, where that was that was like the initial thing where it's like monsters so terrifying that I can't even explain it kind of thing. I can see that. Um, and that's the kind of same concept we've had with Bird Box and stuff like that where it was a creature feature, but we never saw the creature. Yeah. We never saw what was out there. So maybe this could be the same kind of concept um, where maybe there was something actually out there. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, something definitely took the dog, right? Like, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, it's That's hard, it's hard to say. That's a good point. Yeah. It, it's hard to say. But let's go ahead and jump into the plot because we, we got some deciphering to do. <laughs> uh, it comes at night. Directed by Trey Edward Schultz, um, which we actually, before I left off of the Goodnight Movie Club, we, we actually ended up watching another film by his, by uh, Trey Edward Schultz, uh, which was Waves. So um, that was pretty cool. But released June 9th, 2017, a runtime of one hour and 31 minutes, a budget of 2.4 or $5 million, which that's a nice little budget, you know, not not too shabby, um, and a box office of twenty million dollars uh, made a lot more than I expected. To be completely I think honest, so too. it's a good yeah. amount. Like I, I didn't, I don't remember this being a wide release, but I guess it was. I never watched it in theaters, so I don't know. But yeah, whatever. It's, fine. <laughs> it's a box office, so it, it it was a release for sure. But I, I guess it was wide because he got twenty mil. But a rating of eighty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. We open with a man staring out and a woman asking if he can hear her. He has this sore in the shape of a ring on his face, and the woman repeats herself calling him dad. He nods his head, but his breathing is pained. She is telling him that he needs to fight it while softly sobbing, which is interesting that she tells him that he needs to fight it because, like, she knows what's going to happen next. Yeah. Like, she knows, like... There's no, yeah, gonna, there's no coming back, we're gonna right? We're going to fucking kill you. Like, right. yeah. you, know, you know, like, fight it. For for what? You're going to shoot me in the face. Like, <laughs> I do have to add, though, this is a great uh, opening to just get the Perfect. audience hooked in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that was my, what my problem was in the beginning, where it's just like, oh, shit, mm-hmm. starting off something like that. And then it's kind of just us chilling with this family yeah. for a while. Yeah, I, I guess like, oh, fuck. I guess your expectations <laughs> get set and you think it's going to ramp itself up from there but yeah. That that's basically a really high point to go in and it sets those expectations. Right. Absolutely. Um, letting them know that everything is going to be okay while he starts to sob in pain. The woman is wearing a gas mask, giving her love to her dad and apologizing, then hugging someone else while she, while she sobs. Another man in the beige coat opens a door and tells the man, who's named Bud, to lay back, off, uh, to lay back on the bed for him. He carefully lays him back, and they take him out in a wheelbarrow while the woman stays behind. The two masked men are taking him deeper into the woods, uh, lying him down into the ground. The older man, Paul, asks the younger man, Travis, if he would like to to say any words. Uh, Travis simply says, quote, Bye, Grandpa. I love you. End quote. I've always found this portion to be a little interesting because it it gave me a sense of of uh, Travis in the beginning, and I actually like this kid a lot. I, I think he's a, a fantastic actor. But in mm-hmm. the, when I first watched this, I was just like, I was like, oh man, that that acting is it just feels off. I think his name is Kelvin Harris Jr. 
think that's his name. That's interesting um, but, because I felt like he was a really accurate like portrayal of a like a seventeen year old modern boy today. Sure. Yeah. I no. 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 I, yeah. I, I think it was just this moment. Oh. Okay. Because because once you get like later into the film, he fucking acts his ass off in this movie. Yeah. Um. But no, I like I think it was just this moment because it was just very. It just felt. It just felt flat to me. Like I, I didn't feel any compassion. Oh yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I could see um, that. But that that was just me personally. But I like this guy a lot. I, I I mean I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Loose. Never have. Like no. Fuck, dude, that movie's rad. I, I, you know, it's not really a horror film; it's more thriller esque. But I think I'm gonna add that to our list, and maybe, maybe we'll do like a thriller month or something like that, and we'll see. We can talk about that shit later. Anyway, but <laughs> we quickly cut back to to the woman Sarah crying in bed. But we are back with Travis watching Paul cover his grandpa's face with a pillow, apologizing and shooting him through the pillow. Damn, shit's cold. Intense. Though. Super intense. Uh, right off the bat, did you guys when you first watched this? Did you guys think that that was his dad? Like, it, yeah. So Paul? initially, what I thought was, I thought that uh, Travis's mom was actually his sister, and that was her. Oh, so I thought his grandpa was his dad, and I was like, "Who's this white dude?" That's what I'm saying. Right? Like, uh, like it, it definitely wasn't obvious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I I was I was thinking the same thing. I was just like when I first watched it, even when I watched it the second time around, I was like, "Wait, is this his dad? Yeah. Or was that guy his dad?" And I, I had a confusing moment. But all right, I mean, you know, I got I got me a little interracial baby too, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Except she does look more white and black than than this kid. But hey, yeah, you know. You know, it's just different flavors, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't look mixed. So Definitely it it, doesn't. Yeah, it made it a little more confusing. Definitely did. In the, in the beginning, I, I just felt like that was a little off for me personally. But, I mean, I I had to look up Trey Edward Schultz. He's a white dude. So I was just like, okay. Because <laughs> like, a brother would just be like right off the bat like, like no, nah, bro, you black, bro. Like, there's no way you're mixed. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Paul rolls Bud into the shallow grave, pours gasoline on him, and ignites his body. Travis comes closer, uh, watching the smoke bellow the sky, then title card. And I think this is beautiful. Right. So, so well done. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Dang, I just also saw it that fast. Paul, Tra- <laughs> Paul, Travis, and his mother, Sarah. See, I even put that there. Paul, Travis, and his mother, Sarah, because I forgot that Paul was his father. Um, are all sitting at the at the table eating dinner, not saying a word to each other. Awkward. Sarah and Travis aren't really eating their dinner, and Paul gets up from the table, asking them if they if they are done. Sarah grabs his son's arm, um, excuse me, her son's arm to console him. Um, oh, excuse me, to console herself and him. Cuts to Paul telling Sarah that Travis is, has to be involved in everything from now on while tra- while Travis listens to them from a different room. And I was thinking at this point in time, she was like going to tell him off like, that's my son. Like, don't right. talk to him that way or talk about too, him that yeah. way or something like that. Um, but it's like, nope, that's his dad too. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's confusing, man. All right. Like, it's confusing. It, it's very confusing. Um <laughs> She tells him that he is only 17 and that she doesn't care. Um, she continues saying that she that he shouldn't have been there, that she should have instead. Which kind of makes Maybe, sense. yeah. It's her dad. Um, granted, it is his grandpa, but 
like I don't know. I I wouldn't have wanted him to see something like that. Yeah, like, he's he's seventeen. I, I think yeah. he's but just too young. At the same time, I think this opening scene just sets up the whole movie in general of how oh yeah the whole world is built. I think he's really trying to say like this is the stuff that you're going to be see seeing lately in this new world that has this virus. You are going to be taught this right now. Although it's very heavy, sure. this is something you have to prepare for. And maybe you're going to be in my position where you're going to have to pull this trigger. Maybe even yeah. on me. Like, this might mm-hmm. be me. And you're going to be the one that's putting the pillow over my head. He, he's preparing shot. his son for the worst, right? He wants right. his son to be trained. So if there ever is a moment in his life that, uh, you know, Paul's not around, that he's ready. Mm-hmm. To be yeah. the, no, that, that to be the man around. Makes total sense. Yeah. And I guess like, yeah. even this whole entire sequence of like lighting the fire and everything like that, the cinematography is so beautifully done too. Oh my god, it's, it's gorgeous. gorgeous! It really is. And gorgeous to look at. It just shows how oh. intense the situation the family really is, and how their survival tactics yeah. are too. They're not taking any yeah. risks. This is their process essentially. If someone gets sick, mm-hmm. and we're watching it, right. and then the movie starts, it's like, yes, cool, I'm in. I am curious how he got sick. That's true. So. I mean, they never they never talk about it really, but I am I, I was curious because I, I feel like since he got sick, I wouldn't want to go in his room anymore. But yet they still do. So later but, on, I have that thought about potentially is that the reason how someone else gets sick? Um, but we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, it's super interesting. But I guess at the same time, it could be said that like. This is very written, this is very much written by a man because the women don't don't do certain things that the men do mm. and but you know I think about that all the time when I watch TV or film like I'm like yeah. a, a man definitely wrote this right like you could tell this is definitely written by a man yeah like, like it, it just it was very like nope this is a man's job mm-hmm. kind of thing but yeah. And even Freddie, even you said it. You're just like him being yeah. the man of the house. Exactly. It's like, yeah. it's like he's so. training him to like take care of the family because he has to fit that male role and stuff like that. So you guys right. are absolutely correct. That's yeah. definitely something that's definitely going on in this movie. <laughs> absolutely. It's very, it's we, very we, apparent. Yeah, we see it later film. on with like the, the cutting of the wood too. It's like the whole teaching yeah, method. It's like, exactly. okay, this very one-sided. Like on the that women kind of get thing. the water. And right. they sift water, the men cut wood. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Paul <laughs> lets her know that nobody is going to blame her for that and everything is going to be okay. She sighs, asking him if he honestly believes that. Paul assures her that he is trying to do everything he can to protect them. Travis is still listening, but then grabs his lantern to leave the room and head downstairs. He walks down the hall into another room, shutting the door. His dog Stanley is on another bed asleep. Travis tells his dog not to worry and that he will take care of him, then kisses him before lying down on his bed, looking at pictures of his late grandfather and another of him with his mom and Paul. His dad. (laughs) Uh, We transition through biblical images of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And um, I was hoping to expand more on that in particular. Like these images that we see on the wall are very interesting. Like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. To me, it just made it seem like there wasn't necessarily a virus. There was more so uh, like, like a plague initially like like it was yeah. more than that more than just a virus like, like everyone was getting hit 
what this uh what this uh disease yeah felt like it definitely that energy is definitely surrounded even you know without the added um energy that those paintings give off um yeah definitely with the sense of them being isolated and out in the middle of nowhere or in the forest like you can very much tell they're trying to be forgotten like they don't want the world to know that they're there right yeah which make yeah that, that makes a lot of sense it's, the camera slowly pan. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Frank. No, I just wanted to quickly jump in there, saying that it's very symbolic of what they probably see the world is outside their house, yeah. outside of the woods. That is just death and chaos, and it's the end of the world, and it's brought right. upon their world, and now they're just surviving as best as they can. Yeah, like initially, this this feels like like I feel like he would be a great director for like uh, The Last of Us or something, right? I like, could totally yeah. see that. Yeah. Would like, be amazing. Just, yeah, like this. This just very much felt like that. Like it felt. It felt like you didn't know what was going on, and uh, the worst thing in the world were the people itself, kind of thing. Like that. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Right. And the the use of like camera, it like pans to different areas where like the director really wants to show you. It's like, pay attention to this. Look at all of this death. Mm-hmm. Why am I showing mm-hmm. you this? Because this is how, probably how Travis feels of what the outside world feels like. To him, at least. Right. Yeah, makes sense. The camera slowly pans and starts going down the hallway, and we can see all of these pictures of Travis and Sarah's family on the wall. Eventually, the camera goes into a deep red door uh, with a lock on the outer side of the door. The door opens, and it is Travis walking to the room, looking uh, looking at his grandpa, hunched over with labored breathing. We can see his veins being jet black as Travis proceeds closer towards him. Then Bud lets out a vicious scream, which is this is so fucking cool. Right. This is so cool. I I wouldn't have been mad if this was the this was the disease. <laughs> like, I wouldn't have been mad at that at all. Like, it, granted, it was just his nightmare, so it was all in his head. Um, so that's how he pictured it. But initially, I would not have been mad at that at all. <laughs> that sounds great. But he is awoken from his nightmare by his mom waking him up immediately, asking her uh, what's going on. She tells him she tells him that there is somebody in the house, and they immediately head downstairs to see what's going on. Paul is downstairs, gas mask on, holding Stanley back, waiting for Travis and Sarah. Once down there, Travis takes Stanley and they are, they carefully move forward in the hallway. You can hear their heavy breathing while there is thudding coming from uh, coming from behind the door. Paul tells them to stay back and wait while he continues forward, gun in hand. Sarah peeks around the corner while Paul keeps going. The thudding is getting louder than banging on the door, violently jiggling the handle. Stanley barks, causing Travis to close his snout from making any more noise. Paul gets gets into position while Sarah and Travis looks around the corner. Gun uh, gun also pointed at the door. They bang more on the door and bust it open, screaming for Paul to wait. Paul takes a shot at the stranger and goes uh, after him into the room. The man is holding a shotgun, telling Paul that it, it was an accident and that nobody has to get hurt. He tells the man to drop his weapon, and he obliges, dropping the uh, gun to the ground, allowing Paul to kick it to the other side of the room. Paul commands him to get his hands in the air, lie down, then to roll over to his back. He starts asking him if he is sick, the man uh, telling him uh, that he's not, and Paul commands him to open his eyes, and he does. He asks the stranger if anyone else is with him, and he tells him no. Then Paul asks if if he goes... Uh, if he goes outside, there isn't anybody uh, waiting outside for him. The stranger shakes his head. Paul commands him to close his eyes, then hit him in the head with the butt of his gun, knocking him out. He briefly looks around the room, then 
kicks it in a duffel bag into the hallway. Now, this is a very interesting scene. Right. And granted, this movie picks up very quickly when it comes to this portion of us meeting someone else, Mm -hmm. uh, which is great. I'm very happy that it did that because it seemed like this family that we're with is boring. But (laughs) (laughs) we get to this new guy, um, uh, Will. This new guy, Will. I haven't named him yet in here, but uh, we get to Will and uh, it, it... it's interesting when when you ask him like are you sick and all this other stuff ahead of time but once again how do they get sick like yeah. that that's my only question that i wish we got a little bit of an answer on um but honestly what if it's just mass hysteria and no one's actually sick because they're killing motherfuckers before they can even die from said sickness i don't know i think but, i think it makes the film a lot more interesting right because we've seen many virus films and i think just having this snapshot of um peeking into these people's lives makes it very interesting because um from that outsider's point of view you you it doesn't really matter what the virus is but what's trying to be spoken here is about like how people handle it right um, right because there's a lot of films that go through the story of like how this virus was created how it broke out how it uh spread but i think there's something really cool about this not the spotlight not being on that in this film um it's just more more so how do people handle it right sure this whole yeah. movie Which is makes like sense. Uh, a human behavior study essentially yeah. like what would right. people yeah. do in this survival uh status it's of, cabin fever yeah exactly of like surviving a Initially, virus yeah, like this it, it, yeah, it's just a more tamed version of cabin yeah. fever in my eyes. Um, which is nothing wrong with that. Like I actually Not enjoy cabin fever. This is and this is done better than cabin fever in my I eyes. Agree. But but yeah, that initially that's what it is. It, it's just cabin fever. Like what do you do in said situation? Right. Um, and there's even another movie called um, Sea Fever. I think is what it's called. But um, or gosh, I'm blanking on the name of that. But I think that's the name. But it's kind of the same concept. It's just in the sea. It's, it's, right. But it's very interesting. How um, we even get them the Walking Dead, technically, in the way it's like, how do people interact with strangers and survivors? Yeah. What do you do? Do you sacrifice them to save yourself? Do you help them out? What do you do? And that's the nice thing of seeing both Paul and Will because they do do stuff differently. And you can tell that their oh, survival so. tactics is completely different, and that's for both families yeah. too. And mm-hmm. yeah. Because, I mean, get... Will Will definitely is on the less extreme side right. versus Paul. Paul doesn't Will's want to take wearing any chances. Gloves. Yeah. Uh, Will just has a bandana on, right? So, like, he, he's definitely on the lesser extreme side than Paul. Paul's fucking t- dressed to the nines. Gas mask. <laughs> like, where'd you get these masks from? But, like, right. gas mask. Like, like, they hit up Amazon before they, they went out of business, I guess. But... <laughs> Um, they have, they got all this this gear initially prepared for this, so that they're exactly. very very yeah very much prepared. Um, and it helps that Paul is also a historian as well, right? So right, uh, it definitely does help as well because he has probably studied things like this. So yeah, very interesting. Man. It's interesting to know that we don't really get a backstory on the main family, but we kind of have a small backstory on like Paul's family. I mean, uh, Will's family. Of like how they got there, how they like moved from place to place, and what they're doing, and how they Which set up their settlement. Lie. True, yes, but yeah. <laughs> with uh, really? Paul, we don't know do. at all. I 
I mean, are you, so you thought um, Will's family story was all a lie? Both of I you? think so. I do. Oh, yeah, man. Me There's too. something I, I thought about when I was watching the film. I, I felt like I would speak on this, but, and this is probably very naive of me. And usually this is a very hard feeling for me to have, but like, there's times where I look at people's like face and how they uh, make their expressions on their face and their demeanor. And I'm like, I, I feel like you're a good person just based off how you form expressions on your face. And with Will, I very much believed him the, the entire time. Damn, he would have got your ass, David. <laughs> yeah. God damn it, David. It's, it's, it's funny because I'm usually I'm usually the type of person that's super weary of like people I don't know and I don't trust right. anyone. But yeah. there's there's certain people when I look at them, I just have this gut feeling. Yeah, that's good. Who Interesting. Knows? Good. I mean, this dude, this dude's killing it. I, I love this guy. He's one of he's actually quickly becoming one of my favorite actors. Um, but Christopher Abbott is his name, and I. I I really enjoy his performances in general. I mean, he's he's been in Black Bear, which is, I don't think that's even out yet. But uh, Black Bear, um, uh, Possessor, um, this. Mm. But yeah, I, I really, really, actually, I really like this guy a lot. He's and he has that demeanor to him in almost everything. What's very, very odd, but. Sarah is still pointing the gun in that direction, then back to Paul grabbing the stranger's gun. He goes into the hallway, calls for Sarah to come, while she calls for Travis to come with her. He tells her to take the gun and that it's loaded. She asks what's going on, and he tells her that th- there's a guy in there. He he needs her to watch him. She tells Travis to stay close behind her. They go into the room, Stanley barking, and Paul quickly quieting him down. Travis asks if he killed the man, and Paul lets him know that he just is unconscious. Paul Paul first asks if they are okay, then instructs Travis to get some rope and some duct tape. He obliges. Sarah asks Paul if he if he, excuse me. Sarah asks Paul if he's okay, and he tells her that he's fine. Then tells tells her to call for him, uh, call for him if the man wakes up. Paul heads outside in the dark, checking the premises, and I think this is the only time we truly go into the dark. Like other than that, I think the film is actually. During the day, most of the time, a lot uh, of times, but I think we do have some other moments, but I could be wrong. I, I feel like they're all dream sequences when, when we go back into the dark. Right. Mm. For the most part. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll pick, pick up on them. Uh, Paul, uh, he continues walking, but sees nothing so far. And I even put here, the cinematography is just fucking out of this world. <laughs> it like the, the way they use the, the blacks in this yeah. film is just so good. Wow. And it's, it's, it's wow. a lot of, uh, long tracking shots too and the use of lighting and also like uh alongside with the score it like it works so well it's beautiful man. i gotta agree with you freddie this is a oh it's so good i'm a sucker for i'm a sucker for continuous shots in this film sprinkles delivers greatly yeah but um yeah i think from beginning to end the uh the cinematography on this just you think about it the whole time in a in a positive way Mm -hmm. absolutely Back inside with Travis pointing the gun towards the unconscious stranger and Sarah watching from the other side. They are startled by Paul banging on the door to let them in, let him inside. Motherfucker. Uh, Sarah <laughs> confirms that it is, uh, it is him before opening the door. He comes inside believing that the man did in fact come alone. Cut to them rolling the stranger in the barrel, dumping him out. They dump him out pretty hard too. Yeah. <laughs> they sit him next to the tree while they tie him up. Paul reprimands Travis for giving him the wrong size duct tape, then telling him to do it again while Travis apologizes for his mistake. He tells Travis to put it on his face and Travis uh, wants to make sure that he can still have the ability to breathe. And this gives a great sense of Paul versus Travis, where 
Paul, very stern and very like, like, no, fuck that. If he can't breathe, he can't breathe kind of thing. Yeah. But Travis is definitely more empathetic and more accepting and, and, and more intrigued. I feel like where Paul's just like, I want you to get out of here. Mm-hmm. I do not want you here. And Travis is more is more so intrigued by this person because who knows when was the last time he saw somebody, right? Yeah, it's very so, de- it's very much depicted that Travis is just lonely. Like he, yeah. and it's it's affecting his mental health. Absolutely. Paul assures him that he will be able to breathe from his nose. Um and I even put here, I love how this film is just extremely drowned in mystery. That that is something that I do like. Um, I, I like the ambiguity behind this film. Uh, Sarah is inside the house and nailing another latch lock onto the door. Paul and Travis are boarding up the window that was broken. Meanwhile, the stranger is screaming, but they are muffled from the duct tape and the bag over his head. Paul is listening to him from inside the boarded up room while reading and Sarah and Travis are trying to sleep, but they are focused, focusing on the stranger's muffled screams. Travis gets to sleep and goes into a dreamlike state where he is outside in the dark walking towards the moaning man. He looks at the man and notices that his eyes are jet black staring back at him causing him to wake up from his dream. Next day, Paul outside uh, Paul's outside yelling for the man to get up off of, uh, get up on his feet. He gets up and Paul takes the sack off his head. He shows the man his loaded gun, threatening him if he tries anything. Paul tells him that he just wants wants to ask him some questions and that he wants honest answers in return. If he answers honestly, he can have some water. The man nods his head in understanding, then Paul cuts his tape off off his mouth, letting him let, letting out a cough for for the air that is now being breathed. Um, Paul calmly asks him why he broke into his house. The man stutters that he didn't think anyone was inside because there were no lights on, and it was boarded up, appearing to be abandoned from the outside. This just made me think that when he said um, that there were no lights, that people still have power. They just choose not to. Right. So, I think so too. Okay. That's what it, that's what it felt like, where when he said that, that since they don't have any lights on, um, there is power still somewhere, and maybe maybe it's a generator or something. I don't know, but like they they don't have power initially, um, but things still seem to be working in this world because they have cars. They're able to drive fifty miles out and shit. You can't just drive fifty miles to and fro and not get gas. So uh, things seem to still be um, accessible. In this world, I should say. Yeah, it seems like it's pretty recent, and from what I gather, that's what it felt like. Yeah, yeah. At times, it felt like that. At times, sometimes it felt like it was super long, mm-hmm. and then other times it felt like this just happened initially. Yeah, I, I feel like it's been a while, at least for me, and I feel like this family is very all together of all the information about this virus because they have everything planned out. They even have it planned out where it's like, we have to eventually yeah, shoot our grandpa, which is sad, but we have to burn this body. Like they know the rules of this epidemic, essentially. They know how to handle mm-hmm. themselves. And the same thing goes with like the other guy who said like, oh yeah, we just drove 80 miles or whatever away and we just got out in time and we just ran out of food. But at the same time, he pretty much had a whole settlement himself. He has chickens, he has goats. I feel like this is something you had to prepare for over weeks or if not months. So I think it didn't happen that recent. I think they're both pretty well established, which means it's been a while. That's my sure. at least context clues about it, time-wise. Sure. 
sure. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like that's that's where this movie faults a little bit for us to kind of teeter totter on on when this is probably set. But at the same time, that might just be intentional, right? True. Like we, yeah. we just we we probably shouldn't know uh, how long ago this happened because uh, for all we know, like. Yeah, I mean, this could have happened years ago. This could have happened a few months ago. Right. So, I mean, think about yeah. their water supply. That's pretty intricate of how they like clean water. I don't think you can do that in yeah. a couple of days. That's like, I mean, they just boil it. But I don't know. It was, it was just, it was just it a boiling like, system. It was. It wasn't that intense. No, but it, like, it seemed like they got everything together. <laughs> it was just a big pot. That, that was. But I, I, I know what you mean. I'm like, good with you. Everything's mean, like yeah. done. It's like they accomplished setting everything up. That doesn't seem sure. like a short time. No, I, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, it's a very intricate system for them to kind of get down. Um, but Paul asks him what he is looking for. The man tells him water, supplies, anything that he has, um, anything that anything that he can um, find because he has a family, his wife and his son in the woods in an abandoned house about 50 miles from here. Um, and at this point, I was just like, damn, did he travel by foot? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was here, thinking, bro? too. <laughs> Paul asks, why did he leave? Um, the man shares that they are running out of water and he left them to, uh, with the rest of their food and water, thinking that it'll be safer that way. He asks the man if they are sick and and if that's why he left them. The man is repeatedly telling him that they are not sick. Paul tells him that he that uh, he doesn't have to shoot him and that he just he just excuse me. He doesn't have to shoot him. He just can leave him here. Um, outside instead he asks him if he if he would like the water the man immediately tells him yes and paul says that he has to make him believe in him the stranger tells him that he is telling the truth and he doesn't know how much time they have paul ask ask him how long um how long have they been living in the in the batting house he tells he tells him that they have been there for about a week tops and that their truck broke down and that was the first place they found um, and, and, and this kind of goes back to what Freddie was saying too, like building like this intricate system, like with the farm and stuff like that initially. Um, I'm just curious, like if the abandoned house was a farm already hmm. and, or maybe the house wasn't abandoned at all and he took it by force. Right. Who knows? Um, Paul continues with the questions asking where they were before and the man tells him that they're at his brother's about 80 miles away from there he asks them why they left and he tells paul that they lost their water supply paul sarcastically asks if his brother is out there too but the man tells him no he's dead it was like yeah I bet you feel like an asshole now paul <laughs> <laughs> paul confirms that that uh it it is just this man his wife and his son he reassures he reassures it is just them he asks the stranger if he knows what is going out there what is going on out there and the man tells him that he doesn't um he tells paul as soon as people started getting sick in the city they got out and got far away far as possible confused paul asked that he drove 80 miles or so and that he didn't see anything the man tells him no and that they drove at night their truck broke down because he was ran he was running it without oil he is uh, uh when he when he was excuse me when he was by himself he's damn why did i write it that way <laughs> he was by himself he got stuck in the woods and he saw nothing then tells him that tells him to look into his eyes he tells paul that he is telling the truth he continues saying saying that he 
he never would have broken into the house if he knew it was already occupied. And it's interesting that, that you like believed him right off the bat too, David. Um, Cause like I, at this point I'm, I'm just like, I do not believe this fucking guy. It's interesting <laughs> because him saying that I was like, yeah, dude, I get it. Cause I feel like I would be in a similar situation. I'd be going around uh, scavenging for anything. And if I were to see a house sure. that looked abandoned, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm going to look in there. Versus something that looks like it's lived in. So right. I guess I empathized with him. Yeah. That was your first fault. No, I'm just mm, kidding. Mm, mm. Um, I honestly no, think. I, like, I, I think he was supposed to be empathized, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, this dude just kind of came out of nowhere. He has a, a son and a, and a wife. So, I, yeah, no, I, I definitely understand that. Throughout this film, I never blame Will for what he does. Oh no, bro! I'm I'm with you. Like yeah. I was actually all team Will. Yeah, like, same. I did That's not true. like Paul. Like I did not like Paul. Um, but yeah. Uh, although the whole time I was thinking, it's like, damn, I would hate for him to be my dad. <laughs> um, <laughs> at that, <laughs> and uh, continuing on here, and that he doesn't have any hard feelings towards him. Uh, complimenting. Complimenting Paul on on doing what he had to do to protect his family. The man bargains that he can trade for some water to spare for his family and that he has food. Plenty of it. Paul asks him how much and the man tells him that he has plenty to trade for. He repeats his question. The man tells him two goats, six chickens, and some canned food. Paul asks if the, if the animals are healthy and the man promises him that they are and if he needs food, he has it. Concluding that he, his family is is all that matters to him and that he knows that he knows that he can understand that complimenting Paul on being a good person, trying to protect his family by, but then telling him to not allow his to die for it. What a great line. It's just like protect your family, but don't let mine die because of your, because of you protecting your family. Yeah. And I, I, I just, to me, that was the most empathetic line for sure. Right. Paul agrees, then gives the man some water. Travis is watching from inside the house through the hole within the wood plank with Sarah right behind him. Cut cut to Travis, Paul, and Sarah sitting at the dinner table, and she is asking Paul if he if he mentioned the smoke from uh, from Dad. Confused, he tells her no and questions it. Sarah, including that's how the stranger probably found them. And that that is like my mindset, where it's just like as soon as this happened, even when I first watched this, as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, he fucking saw the smoke. And uh, that's true. Yeah. Good call. I was, yeah. So I I was thinking, I was thinking that uh, when he first got there and that's what made me think, like, I always think Will kind of had this plan to shelter out here for a bit with these people. I don't think he planned on killing them, but I think he planned on sheltering out with these people, taking initially some more water and shit and they'll be on their way. Like, I think since, since they kind of, they seem like they're trying to go somewhere. Yeah, he looks like he was searching for a larger group to kind of join a community, and he kind of mentions that later on. Right. Um, Right. I don't think he's out trying to kill others for their supplies. Exactly. Travis is out, is looking out in the distance, slowly pacing his eyes at the, at the, at the both of them. Then, uh, while they discuss the stranger even further, Sarah continues saying that, that they could, I cannot speak tonight. I, I am all over the place. Sarah continues saying that she should consider bring, bringing his family back there with them. Paul tells her that's a big jump and every, everything could be a lie. He tells her that they need to be smart about this and they can't be emotional. She she tells them – I got actually pretty upset when he said that. 
<laughs> to her. I was just like, damn, bro, you can't do what? Stop being emotional. She sounds completely rational to me. I mean, she er, just to chime in earlier, we talked about how like this seemed like it was very clearly written by a man. That's right. true. This yeah, this falls into the gender stereotypes of logical versus emotional. That men right. are logical versus women being emotional. Um, yeah, like men are always portrayed as um, forward thinking, thinking about the bigger picture as whole and. Um, it allows them to be strong because of it. And women have always been depicted in media to be um, over-emotional, letting their emotions get in the way and being a hindrance. So, uh, Men I, ain't shit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an emotional baby, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very emotional. I know I think with my emotions. I'm crying right tell- now. I'm crying. Exactly. <laughs> These are tears that you can't see or hear. She tells him that uh, she isn't being emotional and that she that they can't just let him go because he knows where they live. She tells him that the more people they have, the more they will be able to defend it, reminding him that he found them and others can as well. She continues telling him that they could bring the animals there and they they wouldn't have to just trade for them, this being the smartest option. They break into a, into a montage of grabbing supplies for the trip while Paul Vio's saying that he isn't bringing anyone back here until he can confirm them not being sick and that it took Bud less than a day to show signs and that he'll wait th- uh, there three days to be certain. Paul hugs Travis telling him to be strong and for them not to go outside unless they absolutely have to. He adds if he doesn't come back to not come looking for him. Paul uh, left with his, uh, left in his truck, but he stops to see the stranger named Will once more before he leaves, letting him know that he is going to help him and his family. Will gives his thanks, but Paul tells him that he, uh, that if he is lying, that he will kill him and ask him if he understands. And Paul's just like, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> he nods his head, give it, give it off a yes, sir, before Paul unties him from the tree. They make it to the truck, Paul saying that, uh, that he will have him ride in the back of the truck and when they are out on the road to keep his eyes open for anything. Agreeing to both terms, Paul asks Will if they are good while placing his backpack in the back and taking and taking out a hammer, asking if they are good. While Will uh, tells him they are, they are and Paul grabs his gun, opens his car door and tells Will to give him directions. He ignites the car while Travis uh, watches throughout uh, throughout a window from inside the house, they are they are on a wooden road, or a wooded road, not wooden road. Uh, while Will is giving him directions to keep going straight, and the scenery is just like, gorgeous. It's beautiful, yeah. but yet it makes me feel extremely uneasy because it, it feels like just like you said, Freddie. Like this, like when you first initially see the trailer, it feels like this is going to be a creature feature. So you kind of expect to see something in there, but you see nothing. And that right. just makes it even more eerie. It makes it so like lonely and so like perfect for this month. Isolated. Isolated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> Paul is constantly looking back at Will on the bed of the truck, but his sight is interrupted when someone shoots at him. He crashes the car and tries to gain his composure, but they take another shot. Paul frantically grabs his gun, having a hard time trying to cock it back. Once cocked, he opens the passenger door and crawls underneath the car, trying to see where the shots ha- are coming from. And this fucking smart, dude. What a move. Yeah. Like, when he gets out of the car and goes underneath the car just to check, right. like, 
Survival this mode. is why I loved The Last of Us Part Two because you this would like you had to do shit like this, like going under cars and shit. It was so oh my god, uh, I loved that. I absolutely love that. Um, using your surroundings, there's just doing things like that have always been an A plus for me. We can hear Will getting off of the truck bed and he runs off. Someone comes from behind a tree and Paul takes a shot at, at the man's leg. And damn, he got him like spot on. <laughs> it just I thought he was going to miss when I first saw that. <laughs> he goes he goes for another but misses him. Gaining his composure, he takes another shot, hitting the man in the side. So we know like Paul is actually a pretty good gunsman. He just he doesn't have to just shoot someone point blank to hit him. Like he actually is a pretty good gunsman. Paul comes out uh, from underneath the car and goes over to Will, beating the shit out of someone else. He was fucking him up. Dude. Yeah, he was. Paul yells for Will to get off of him, and Will tells Paul to wait, but he takes a shot, killing the man. Once again, us seeing that uh, duality between the two, right? Where. Will definitely has a little bit more compassion. He just wanted mm-hmm. to beat the shit out of him and probably ask him some questions. Or he knew the guy. Right. Either one. Um, Will tells him that he didn't have to shoot. Um, excuse me. Paul yells for Will. To, oh, no. Read that part. Will tells him that he didn't have to shoot him right away. Con- uh, confused, Paul yells that he came after them. Will just lets out a suspicious fuck, <laughs> causing <laughs> Paul to ask if, uh, if he knows the guy. Ugh, you know, fucked up right there. He looks at Paul, letting letting out a quote, huh? And Paul repeats the question, going on about him traveling 80 miles, not seeing anything, and they barely got through 10, then this happens. And I mean, he has a point, right? Right. Like, it's just like, dude, like, you, you supposedly drove this, this vast distance, and you didn't see anyone? And yet, I'm I'm barely leaving my fucking parking lot. And, and, and two dudes are shooting at us. Just, he has a point. Very suspicious. Exactly. But, you know, mm. don't be suspicious, I guess. I gotta say. Will yells that he is... Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, real quick about this scene. Um, I have to say, even watching this a second time, the gunshot definitely got me from surprise. So I was like, oh, cool. I didn't even uh, remember that. So that's awesome. But I didn't I remember say, it either. This scene is so well done because it's so realistic it's not over the top it's not like a crazy action scene it's just a man surviving a car crash slash gunshot and he just does what he does best and it just kicks in immediately and i love how pretty much paul takes over the whole entire situation it's like get off him boom done this is exactly what i would do because this is what i trained myself to do i don't take chances i don't let anyone live i let you live and that's the biggest chance i'm taking and that question of just like did you know him it's like don't right let me i'm gonna ask you twice and that's probably someone who wouldn't ask that question twice too knowing him so i was like man that's a cool scene to really know this character very well so absolutely yeah this built up his character very quickly for us for sure will yells that he has never seen this guy before and that he nearly killed him and once again like i I don't believe him i just don't believe him like i i I feel like I feel like he did know this dude, but I don't think he like knew him in a like a personal relationship. But I think he traded with these people. Oh, okay. I actually like that you made that point because I was definitely leaning towards like I really don't think so. But in the context of them being acquaintances, then yes, that's a possibility because once you because he he's clearly 
has the idea of trading with Paul and who's to say that right. he's not done it before, right? So that's a very good point. Yeah, so that, that that's how I picture it. Like I picture him like like yeah, I I know these guys, but you know, it's not gonna I'm not gonna lose sleep from you technically killing them. I just feel bad because like I I probably I traded them some shit probably. Yeah. yeah. And maybe he did it to like pass through or something, right? So who knows? You know, but like same thing. Like Will was very quick to trade with uh Paul. Mm-hmm. Why not do the same for these people? Yeah. Will yells that he has never seen this guy before and that he nearly killed him himself. Paul asks why did he tell him to, to uh, tell him not to kill him, and Will exclaims that he could have got uh, got info from him that he could have that he could have been part of a bigger group nearby, um, which he probably was. But I mean, budget is a thing, right? <laughs> uh, then tells him that he's not lying to him. Worried, Paul get, Paul goes back to the car to grab their supplies while packing the. Packing his bag, he asks for Will's name. He throws uh, Will the bag, telling him that there uh, are masks and gloves inside and to put them on. He throws him a jug of water, commanding him to wash his hands as well. Will obliges while while Paul inspects the dead body for any traces of the sickness. He asks Paul um, if there's anything, um, and he tells Will that there is nothing. He goes over to the other guys to check it to check him, and Will changes the tire of the truck to the truck. Um, and I like how Will's watching him, right? Like he he and, and he he's not watching him to see like if he's gonna come back. He's more so is doing this thing where he's watching him, like uh, and like studying him, yeah. where he he now sees that okay, Paul is actually more of a bigger threat than I thought. Like seeing him take these two dudes down with zero remorse. I, I I'm walking on eggshells. Yeah. So I, I think that's that's why Will obliged to so many different things that Paul asked him, like putting his gun away and things like that. And and obviously Will ended up keeping one of his. But yeah, um, I'm very curious on. Uh, we'll get there. He takes the two corpses uh, uh, and throws their body behind an uprooted tree while Will stops changing the tire to watch him. Cut to Travis looking out of the window, then um, petting Stanley, asking him how's he doing. How's he's doing? Um, he looks back out of the window, noticing that his dad is back, yelling for his mom to let her know that he's back. They both run outside. Well, they go outside and they really run. Uh, Paul, Travis is very excited. She stops Travis, telling him to slow down. Paul tells them that it's okay, while Will, his wife, and son all get out of the truck. Paul gives Sarah a kiss, then introduces them to Will, his wife Kim, and their son Andrew. They greet they greet and introduce themselves to each other, and then unload the truck. Paul starts going over the rules about what doors need to stay locked. He lets them know that, that either him or Sarah will have the only set of keys, letting them know that it is the only way in and out of the house. He also shares that they are never go out, uh, go out, out at night unless it is absolutely for an emergency. When they do go out during the day, it is in pairs for safety. Sam or same goes for, uh, for when they, they go to the bathroom. He continues going over the firearms being locked and squared away in the safe room and, uh, in their room asking what he would like to do, uh, the same with the, with Will's weapons. Um, as well. Will agrees, but Travis has this look on his face that seems a bit put off. Um, and and it, it was interesting because like, it felt like Travis didn't kind of believe this guy for a second. But at the same time, like 
I think that's just his face. I think he just has like RBF or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like he's just, he always seems irritated, but that's just, that's just being a fucking teenager, I guess. <laughs> uh, Paul continues, um, excuse me. Meanwhile, Paul continues that they eat meals together twice a day, rationing, um, rationing for rationing purposes, uh, letting them know that everyone cleans their own dishes and put things away where they belong. I kind of felt bad for Andrew that he only has to eat like, Two meals a day, and he's just a baby. Yeah, I know. He's just a kid. He's like maybe what four, something like that. Like he he's young. He's very young. Uh, he tells them that that uh, he tells them that this is how they like to run things around here, and they think this is important to keep uh, uh, to keep a, a routine. I put a routing, but routine. <laughs> Paul sighs about forgetting some things. Sarah chuckles that they have. Uh, they have time to work out all the details. He tells them to settle in, and they will get uh, get working in the morning. Kim and Will give their thanks, and they're off on their way initially. Um, and I even put here, uh, it, it just feels so odd that Travis just watches them. Yeah, uh, it, 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 I like, felt the like, same way. I thought I thought we were going to have a moment where Travis kind of snaps or something later on in the that's film. That's what it felt like. Yeah, or I was questioning. I was like, is he on the spectrum? Like, I was trying to figure it out, but... Um, I don't know. It just seems like he's just an awkward kid, and that's all it is. I th- yeah, right, and I think that's all it is. I just think he's just awkward. Yeah. He's Travis 17. Walk- yeah, he's 17. I think- <laughs> we, we were all awkward at 17, I, I guess. I think another part of him is kind of like investigating stuff, because I think the only human connection he's ever had was their parents. And that's why I think it's been a while. And this is why I don't that's think it's been a couple point. days or weeks. I think it's been like months. That this could is like be the, the reason. first people he's seen. It's like, oh, Probably. I kind of forgot what normal conversation feels like because I've only been in this situational survival mode with my parents and that's it. Probably more than months if he's, you know, this awkward from just being right. alone with his parents. But at the same time, maybe, I mean, I could see how being a teenager and being alone with your parents for months could have that effect as well. But I, I think it insinuates that it could have been years at this point. Yeah, we don't know, which I love because right. this movie doesn't give that many answers, and it's just open to our interpretation. Which I yeah. do love that. I don't think you this movie this gives movie. answers at all. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. It's a yeah. great movie to break down. So good choice. Thanks, man. <laughs> um, I I also like to think too when when it comes to Travis, um, and it being a timeline. Like we also have to take into consideration that the only thing that he initially has a conversation with is his dog. Like, right. He, he tells him like, oh, I'm going to protect you and make sure everything, nothing's going to happen to you and things like that. And, and he talks to, he talks to Stanley, like he gets a response back, um, which I feel like we all do this to dogs anyway. True. Um, but initially that's how he talks to Stanley. Like Stanley is genuinely his friend, his best friend. For and, sure. Right. Exactly. So that's something that, uh, makes this even more interesting because I, I feel like since, Stanley is there and it was his grandpa's dog. That's the last bit of anything he has from his grandfather. So it, I, I find that to be also very interesting. Travis is walking up the stairs, lantern in hand, and he goes into the cupboard to eavesdrop uh, on Will and Kim. And at, at first I thought this was going to be a, a little risque. When he first went up there, they're like talking. I'm just like, oh, please don't 
please don't be doing the nasty. Yeah. Like your son's in there. Like, like please don't. Kim and Will are joking about a story while they uh, get ready for bed. Kim and Will are intimately laying on each other while Andrew is acting like uh, like a dinosaur or like his dinosaur toy um, is biting his father's foot. Will plays along and Kim makes uh, makes whispers of uh, and Kim whispers a joke about him needing to take a bath. He jokes that he do- he doesn't. Uh, that she doesn't smell too great um, herself, like French onion soup, while they explode with laughter. And then he compliments her on on looking pretty, though. Travis, smiling while listening to the, in the cupboard, then bursts out into laughter from a joke that Will makes. And I feel like Will needed that. Like, that's why I, I or Paul, excuse me, or no, Travis. I feel like Travis needed that. And that's why I, I really like Will. Um, mainly because he is everything he is the opposite of paul right where initially he is kind of this open warm let loose conversationalist right let loose exactly um emotional versus logical like we spoke on earlier you know that's true absolutely yeah Yeah, absolutely he's kind of breaking those gender norms by being empathetic and being receptive towards helping others and so on i cannot agree more Next day, Paul is telling Will that Bud's property extends another half a mile. Damn, this is a big-ass property. Uh, he comes down there because he can see in, in into the valley and make sure he doesn't spot anything. But Will is teaching Travis how to chop wood. Paul is watching from afar and slightly comes closer when Travis comes chopping down, gloating about his first try. Um, and, and I even put here, I'm not sure if I should feel bad for Paul in this moment, but he does seem a little jealous. Like he seems jealous that like like oh shit this should be me teaching my kid this not him. I think what it is is that he is seeing the difference in how Will is approaching it right because Paul is very stern and uh, cold cold and Will when he's having this moment with Will it's it's a lot more empathetic or it's a lot more nurturing. Right, that's a great way to put it because like th- this is definitely the difference between nature versus nurture, mm-hmm. right? And and, and it feels like Paul is more on the nature side versus Will being more of the nurturing side. He he wants to, uh, uh, he doesn't mind teaching you, but initially he he wants to, initially ha- have a good time doing it. Yeah. So, super interesting. Sarah's working with Kim. She is showing her how to siphon the dirty bits out of the water to boil it clean. They tend to the animals when uh, while the men continue moving down the property. They all come back into the house, uh, shutting. Uh, shutting and locking the red door behind them. Travis is working on something in his room and Andrew is getting a bath, plugging his nose. They continue, oops, they continue with the montage of their household duties and gathering things for Andrew. We get an incredibly wholesome scene of all all of them sitting around playing a board game, cracking jokes and laughing. They really this really shows uh what they're all sort of been missing. And initially it's just family. Like they, mm-hmm. they, they, I feel like this just felt like Thanksgiving for them in a way. So, uh, this was a very wholesome scene. I actually really, really like this scene. Cuts to Paul laying down onto Sarah's arm while she plays with his hair, slowly turning into something a lot more intimate. And it's like, like it's kind of awkward, where he's just like, maybe I should do this, maybe I shouldn't. Like her dad just died and shit, and I killed him. <laughs> <laughs> like it felt, it felt a little weird. Uh, I we could see end that. with. Tra- 
<laughs> we end with Travis uh, uh, lying in bed, also trying to go to sleep, with a slight tear rolling down his face. We hear sexual moaning coming from one of the rooms down the hall, and I put one of the rooms because I, cu- I couldn't tell if it was Kim or Sarah. So Yeah, I, I was wondering the them. same thing. I I want to assume that it was Sarah and because of the previous scene. Right. But yeah. Well, I I think cuz we go into a dream sequence here, right? After. Right. And I mm-hmm. think he hears he may hear either one of them, but in the dream sequence, I think the room he Oh yeah, walks, he's fantasizing about it. Yeah, he 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 wants it to be Kim, obviously. Yeah, cuz he walks by I think his parents' room and it's empty, right? So yeah. it's clearly not them in his in his dream. Yeah. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. And Travis is uh, waking up to, and I put waking up in quotes, um, uh, up to Kim co- uh, coming over to kiss him. When she is done kissing him, blackish goo drips out of her mouth into his. Ew. Ew. Cuts him uh, gasping heavily in the bathroom while tears run down his face. And it, it, this is, this is kind of interesting because it's just like, is he masturbating? Right? I don't know. He's in the he's in the bathroom and it, it, it it's what what is he doing? He's not gagging. He's not I like Maybe I it's just like a self reflection of what he dreamed. I I mean masturbation right like <laughs> self-reflecting all the truth i mean he I mean, obviously has a mad crush on kim right yeah but i think it's like little, he's it's crushing hard him being 17 maybe hearing it in his sleep and then start imagining it but also right. realizing the time period that he's in where there's some deadly virus it's just like if i do something like this this could be a consequence and he has exactly. that nightmare it's like man i fantasize this but this could be the outcome of me getting infected with a deadly virus and him waking yeah. up and going to go into the bathroom, he maybe feels dirty. But I don't know if it's, you know, doing the dirty or not feeling dirty. So I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. I have no idea because I, I feel like it's a little bit of both. Where, I mean, he's 17, he's hormonal, right? Like, I mean, yeah, maybe yeah. trying maybe to get it thing. out of the system, I guess. Like, out of mind. Literally. Yeah, who, who Literally. Knows? Yeah. <laughs> All right, we spent enough time talking about masturbation. He walks down the dark, the dark stairwell into the kitchen where Kim is sitting. He calls out to her, startling her. She laughs and and he asks her, "What's she doing? What is she doing?" And he like kind of a little asshole. He's like, "Hey." I was like, you little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you ever do that. Not during this time. She tells him that she couldn't sleep and she used to come down to the kitchen to eat when she couldn't sleep and ask, uh, ask what about him? Um, He shrugs and says that he hasn't been able to sleep for a while because of bad dreams. She offers, she offers for him to have a seat and he does. Kim asks him, how long has it, how's, has that been going on? He tells her that he doesn't know, but for a while. Humoring her, he asks, uh, what are they having? She plays along saying that they are having bread pudding, red velvet cupcakes, cookies and, cr- and uh, cookies and cream cupcakes and uh, 10 different kinds of ice cream. He warmly tells her that sounds awful. Surprised, she asks, uh, ask, 
she asks if he doesn't like uh, desserts. He tells her that he doesn't, and he uh, knows it's weird. He goes on to tell her that he doesn't like baked sweets and that his mom would make him Rice Krispie cakes instead of regular cakes. She jokes about that being really sad, and I agree with her. That is absolutely sad and horrendous. That was, that was the scariest thing in this movie for me. Mm. Without um, a doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love me some desserts, some baked goods. Ooh, child. <laughs> Although I am weird, too, because I don't like candy. It is what it is. Uh, with with awkward flirtation, he does tell her that he uh, does like uh, some kinds of pies. And did you guys get the vibe that they were slightly kind of flirtatious towards a each other? Bit. Like it felt like there was some type of sexual tension it there. Felt like he was trying to flirt. Right. At first, without even knowing he was, and then I think she flipped the switch and started flirting, and then he got uncomfortable. Right. So it was interesting. <clears throat> well, I mean, I guess that's one of those things where it's like when my crush talks to me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, sh- uh, and says that she will, she will keep her disgusting sweets all over to herself. She leans back in her chair and Travis looks at her at her breast. Uh, she immediately realizes and quickly leans forward and like trying to like hide it. Right. Like, like, Oh shit. I didn't uh, catch that moment. Damn. Same. Oh really? I didn't catch that too. Oh wow! Oh man! Maybe that was you, Prince. Uh, it, it probably was. But yeah, initially <laughs> she leans back in her chair, and um, he looks slightly down, and she leans forward to cover it up with her hair, and he looks back at her eyes like, "Oh shit! I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mean to." Oh damn! Kind of thing. Yeah. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. He was trying to he was trying to catch some looks, man. And she just <laughs> caught him. Travis has a look of embarrassment, but she asks him, "How old is he?" And that's that's when she asked. Oh, because that's when I thought she flipped the switch like, oh, she's starting to flirt. But now that makes sense if he did that. And that's how she responded. Wow. Can't believe I missed that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Watch it again, I guess. Um, Because like it it seriously is is a a pivotal scene as a as a scene like um, for mainly for him. Right. Because like he is 17. This is the, the second woman he's probably seen. And God knows how long for him. Yeah. And, um, and it's, and it's someone that's not his family. Right. right. So it's just like for him, he's just like, it's like, oh, wow. Like, I mean, there's another woman in here. Like, I, I'm probably not going to make a move or anything, but there's another woman in here kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he tells her that he's 17 and Kim tells him that she, uh, that she wasn't that much older than him when she first met Will. He awkwardly says that he should probably go go to bed, telling her goodnight, and she repeats it back to him, letting him know that she'll uh, she'll see him in the morning. Um, and I even put her as like, I'm sure we've all had kind of crushes like these, like just someone who was just older than us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It happens. It happens. I had a few crushes on my teachers. I remember that. Yeah, I think we all have. At least all most dudes have. Probably. Actually, I yeah. know I've known some girls that also have. some girls. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I remember the the stud the, the stud in our school was Mr. Allensworth, uh, our third grade teacher. With that yeah, we'll name, that guy. Hell yeah, <laughs> Mr. Allensworth coming <laughs> to class. Uh, next day, Will and Travis are chopping wood while Paul watches over them with his rifle. Will hands the axe to Travis, letting them know that he will take the rest of these down. Travis looks down at Kim pumping pumping water into a bucket into a bucket. Comments um comments know them. Oh my gosh. I I 
wrote that completely poorly. My apologies, everybody. Paul comments on them being good people. Travis agrees, telling his dad that he likes them here. Paul reminds him to keep it in perspective and that he can't trust anybody besides family, no matter how good they may seem. I even can fight that, man. I don't even... There's some family members I definitely cannot trust. Stanley uh, starts barking, preparing uh, preparing Paul to cock his gun. Uh, Kim calls out to Will. He tells her that it's okay and to go inside while reaching for his gun. Paul asks Travis if he has his gun, and he pulls it out, asking what Stanley sees. Stanley continues to bark while Paul tells Travis to go inside and, they, and that he will take... Take care of Stanley. Travis asks what he sees again, and Paul yells for him to go inside while trying to untie Stanley. He tries to settle Stanley down, but he bites through the his rope and runs off in the direction he was barking in. Travis immediately starts running after him, calling for his dog, and Paul calling for him. Travis continues running, screaming for Stanley, moving deeper and deeper into the woods. Stanley's bark um, uh, is getting more and more high-pitched until they stop altogether. Travis points his gun in that direction. Will calls for him and asks what uh, what it is. He tells him that Stanley Stanley's barking just stopped and that he heard something from that direction. Will cocks his gun, pointed and determined to go to uh, to that surrounding area. Paul runs, then trips, which I actually think is genuine. I think he genuinely <laughs> fell. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. That definitely looks real. Yelling, asking them, what are they doing? Travis is trying to tell him that uh, that his barking just stopped. Paul tells him that he doesn't give a shit and reminds him to not go out in the woods alone. He shouts that he isn't losing him over his grandpa's dog. Will interrupts, saying that Travis heard something up ahead. Uh, Paul starts asking where and then asks if Will sees anything, and he tells him that he doesn't. Paul t- uh, tells him that they should go back into the house. Travis asks about Stanley, and Paul shouts that he knows the woods and that he will be- he will make his way home, um, telling his son to hustle and then calling Will to come as well. W- uh, while the cameras point in the direction, there uh, we hear the noise. Uh, we we hear this noise. Uh, Excuse me. While the cameras pointed in the direction where the noise came from, Paul is telling Travis uh, never to do something like that again. Cut to them eating at the dinner table in front of a lantern, quietly and awkwardly looking around the table at each other. Travis is in his room, and and there is a knock on the door. And um, and why did I even what? <laughs> I don't even know what I was trying to say here, but I was trying to say something. It's uh, all fine. But I, real quick. I wrote that completely poorly. For that please scene. T- please, please talk because I'm embarrassed. No, <laughs> you're absolutely doing great. It's phenomenal. Um, thank you. Thank you. I just got to say like that like scene in general was so tense. At least for me, like rewatching yes. it. I have to say it's a great framing of the dog barking. And then they have like these Beautiful. quick edits of the dog barking and then showing just the woods. And there's nothing there. Like I try to look absolutely deeper nothing. into this like scene. It's like, all right, I've seen this movie. I want to see if there was actually something out there. There is nothing, right? And me, when I watch, yeah, there's, these, nothing, there's nothing there. When I watch these movies, I have the captions on just so I can capture, like, capture everything, see what they say, and actually like yeah. get everything. When they make the sound with the dog just stop to bark, the caption says crunching noise. I was like, crunching what the noise. fuck is crunching noise? Yeah. What is out there? <laughs> which noise. always bothers me because now like knowing the ending and knowing how the movie goes, they never say what was out there. And I'm like, fuck, why? Why movie? It pisses me off, but I fucking love it too because it just leads to, like, to the <laughs> imagination, right? 
I like that yeah. this movie doesn't give you any answers. And I love that there might be something out there, but we don't know. So I, I just have to say that that scene itself was fantastically well done. And it just sets the stage of what's the domino effect of later on, which is great. Right. Right. Like, I feel like if, if, if this was like the ritual, right. For example, like, and I don't think David, you were a part of that episode, but um, if this was like the ritual where you see the monster, you see the creature, right. and even glimpses and, small. Yeah. Small, very yeah. small until you then see it. Oh yeah, then you like, see it. Yeah. Oh fuck! Like I, I, I very much thought this movie was going to be the same concept, um, but I'm glad I was wrong because, like I said, I like this movie. The, the second go around, first go around, I was just like, meh, 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 meh. Right. I was very bitter about it. Exactly. Me too. But yeah, Paul comes. Uh, uh, Paul comes over to greet him with a pat on his shoulder, but Travis doesn't respond. Oh, I skipped something. Sorry about that. Oh no, I didn't. Travis is in his room. There you go. Uh, Paul comes over to greet him and pat him on the shoulder. Travis doesn't respond. He just continues drawing. Paul is sitting next to him, looking at one of his drawings, and then tells him not to worry that Stanley will come home. He sits sits the image down and says that he was thinking that they uh, could go for him at first light. While getting up from his seat, patting Travis on the shoulder once again. Travis is crudely drawing these skeletal people in the woods with uh, his vine charcoal and Paul. Paul tells him to get some rest. Then uh, he gives his thanks to his dad before he leaves. And I don't, that, that, to me, that still doesn't classify what these things are. Like, can, is he, is Travis the only one who can see them? Like, you know, no. it, it just makes it super interesting to me. Um, I think it's, I think it's because it's almost all he knows. His life's so sh- like young at this point, right? Like 17 is very young at the, like a year, at least I believe a year at 17 versus like a year at like 30 can feel a lot longer. Um, and this has become everything he knows and it surrounds his everyday thinking. And I think it's because it's just always on his mind and we see that reflected in the movie. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Uh, Cause I, I feel like with, with uh how he kind of perceives everything it, it is very much at a at a, at a um i don't want to say adolescence but as as a teenage lens i guess of some kind um but at the same time it's very mature like he's a very mature teenager like yeah. he's not he, you know he's not i i guess the only thing that was slightly immature was kind of checking out this dude's wife but <laughs> that was about it but i mean i you mean know. mature men check out other men's wives and people's <laughs> wives so this is true yeah. this is true i've seen it happen to my wife multiple times yeah Ooh. multiple times indeed did i kill them freddie is that what you're wondering probably yes, they're dead <laughs> cut to let's cut to paul and will going into uh, bud's older room he tells him to <laughs> take a seat and they turn on turn on a light will gives gives his thanks again for allowing them to stay there complimenting the house paul laughs and thanks him for the chickens paul opens a bottle of alcohol and will tells him that he doesn't have to open open it and I actually have a theory on this one that I'll t- say in a minute. Paul asks if ask him if he doesn't drink, but he tells him that he does, and he kind of like like poorly nods his head, like like yeah, I do. Um, and Paul continues pouring them, 
uh, pouring them alcohol into the mugs of the fiery of the fiery liquid. They they cheers and Will takes a sip, commenting on how smooth the alcohol is. I think Will was an alcoholic. Yeah, I got the same vibes. He was like, yeah, oh, I, I, I mean, I do, but I mean, and I, I feel like he was going to say he's sober, but at this point, like, why does it matter? Right. right. And I, and, and I, I, I was very curious to see like, like if he got like so shit faced that maybe he hit someone or, or something like that, or like maybe his wife or something like that. But I mean, I'm glad they didn't go there, but at the same time, like that was just another for me, a great context clue of what the past looked like. Yeah, and I thought it was uh, foreshadowing about what was to come, just like you thought, but we didn't get there. Right, yeah. Paul asks him what he did before all of this, and Will tells him that he was in construction, demolition, and he was also a mechanic for a little while. Then reverts the question back to Paul. He uh, he kind of snickers and tells him that he was a history teacher, joking about knowing all about the Roman Empire. Paul, tell, uh, Paul then asks him, um, if he grew up in the city and Will tells him that he didn't, he uh, went there for Kim chasing after her. I always am so curious by the city. Like, w- like where, where are they? Yeah. Know? Like, I just, I, I always get so curious cause I feel like every state has the city. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's very intriguing. Or every, but. yeah, every state does basically have the city, but I think, uh, it keeps it in that vagueness. So it's more relatable. Right. Um, because if you hear a particular name of a city, it's going to feel a lot further from home. But when you hear the city, it kind of resonates with you. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because it's like, I don't know. It's interesting because it's just like, I want to say, based off of the woods, that this feels like this is somewhere like Pennsylvania yeah, or something. Well, they filmed the location in Woodstock, New York. So it could be New York. Oh, I'm fucking close, yeah. dude. What? <laughs> I was thinking about talk? it. I was thinking about it. I was like, New York area, probably. They're neighbors. See? Yeah, see? I knew it. Um, Paul asked... Ask if he has a big family, and he tells Paul that he that it was just him and his dad, who was also a mechanic, and that he was uh, he was his only child. Paul nods his head and then tells and then mm. asks him again about him being an only child. Mm. Then reminds him that he said they were staying with his brother. <gasps> Will tells him that it is technically not his brother, rather Kim's brother, and he just felt like one to him. Paul hesitantly agrees and and Will takes another drink. They are quiet for a moment and then Paul tells him that he is going to go to bed. He and fucked David, up. You still believed him at this point. I believed him. Wow. You know why? He was so quick cover, on his though. feet. Yeah, and I don't know, it made cover. sense because like yeah, like I think I call I call my brother-in-law my brother. Exactly. Like cuz at first when he said I was an only child, my my red flag went up. I was like, "Oh, he was lying and then and then Paul caught on and then he was like dropped it he mean technically he was my brother like my brother-in-law and I'm like okay yeah no that makes sense like and I think Hmm. that's the beauty of this film right because you're you're never gonna know you're never going to know if they were being truthful this whole time and were good people and deserve the faith they got Right. Yeah. I think he was quick with it. Because even at the same time, I was like, oh, did you know him? It's like, no, I didn't know this guy. He's like fast on his responses. Don't get me wrong. I'm a quick liar on my feet too, but there's just something about Will where I'm just like. David? 
telling a lie? I, it's, <gasps> it's rare, but gasp. <laughs> I don't believe. But I, when I need to, I'm quick on my feet. Right. <laughs> at least, at least throughout my life, there there have been moments where I have reflected back on something I just said, like when I was a lot younger. Right when. I think lying is more prevalent when you're young, like when you're in high school or something, right? right. And I would lie about something like mid-conversation and keep it rolling. And I would think to myself like, damn, damn. I'm, good. <laughs> I'm good at lying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of good at this. Yeah. I should be a lawyer. Because, <laughs> yeah, as soon as he said that in the movie, I was like, I put in my notes here. I was like, oh, he fucked up about being an only child. It's like, <laughs> got him. Got him. But then how did you feel, though, when he said, oh, his brother-in-law? No, I think it was a good cover. I think I, he was fast. I, I think it's a great cover, but I, I think he's still lying. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, I, I I don't think she has a brother either. I'm just saying. Well, I, I was like, I always well, think as a like a screenwriter or the director having that kind of line in this movie is like, he was meant to say that to be suspicious, to get caught in a way. Right. right. So I was like, exactly. If it's put in there for the movie. And that's the thing. It's like when I saw it the first time, I thought that was going to have some type of payoff. It's like, oh, maybe his brother's mm-hmm. like hiding somewhere and it's going to come and like take over the house and stuff like that. It's all part of their plan to infiltrate. Yeah. But then there's no payoff. But it's okay. It's still a good movie. Exactly. It's all good. Uh, Freddie, I don't want to scare you, but have, have you guys seen the movie? This is completely unrelated. Have you seen the movie uh, VHS? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know that one scene where uh, th- uh, that lady's on the phone with her boyfriend and uh, she has her door open and she's FaceTiming him and her door closes? <laughs> I'm just I'm waiting for your door to do that. Stop. <laughs> oh, for listeners. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bro. For I'm listeners. Like, some doors been closing on and off <laughs> behind me. You know, I have told for... you, right, that my house is probably haunted. Told... Yeah, you did tell me that. For listeners, Prince <laughs> and Freddie are on video right now at home. Yeah. And Freddie just has an open door behind him and there's just darkness. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did not notice that until this very moment. I didn't Great. notice it from a majority of our conversation until until right now. I'm not going to be staring at that. <laughs> I know. Cam. I'm so sorry. No, I didn't mean to scare you. Uh, transition to Travis on his bed. Uh, n- note Stanley next to him lying down. <laughs> you can close the door if you want, Freddie. You got okay. time. <laughs> he sits up. Uh, he sits up out of the bed, takes his lantern, and heads into the hall. Um, I guess when you're talking about horror films, that definitely gets you a little bit more on in, into the spoofs, right? He can. Uh, he can hear Andrew moaning softly, and ch- then he notices him on the floor asleep. Travis wakes him uh, wakes him up and Andrew asks where he is. He tells him that he is in another room and, and tells him to let him <laughs> I can't stop looking at Freddie. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just heard a sound. Freddie <laughs> Freddie is like inching backwards towards the door. I'm just done. waiting. I'm waiting for something to walk through the darkness. Stop. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for like a Rago to just walk through the door or something. But, that makes sense. Oh, that's so funny. Anyway. Um, and he tells him that he is in another room and tells him to let him uh, get, get him back to bed. He takes Travis's hand and digs him into a room with Will and Kim. Travis uh, watches him curl up next to them and Kim unconsciously embraces him. Um, with a smile closing the door. Travis continues going down the hall, but he hears creaking coming from downstairs. And the lighting in this movie so good. is perfect. It is flawless. It's like transitioning like, I, 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 with darkness. I don't darkness. understand how good it is. Right. 
like, oh my god, I can, I could just honestly that alone just for me, people should watch this because I, I I've never seen darkness done like this besides in like a Mike Flanagan film. That. Yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Freddie was pointing to his door for our listeners, <laughs> or outside of his door, more so. He goes downstairs, and the thudding and creaking is becoming louder. He continues down the hall towards the red door that is slightly open, calling out to his dad to see if he, it is him making the ruckus inside. A loud bang from beyond, beyond the door forces him to run back upstairs, waking up his dad, telling him that there is someone inside the house. Paul immediately wakes up frantically asking where, and Travis tells him downstairs. He tells Travis to go uh, get his mask and gloves, and he starts grabbing some guns. While Paul, Will and Paul um, head downstairs, and Stanley is lying in a, in a pool of his own blood, still alive, but barely breathing. Um... And uh, I'll, I would like to give this PSA right now. Is it cool for us to like stop killing animals in horror? Like, I have, can we like right, stop I that trend? I'm totally for that because I don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like I think that's why I really like Mike Flanagan. <sighs> so because you, he sets this all up for like most all these animals are probably gonna die and they don't die, and I'm, I have mad respect for that. <laughs> in the last four years, I've had like pets for the first time, and it just hits me so much harder now. Oh, yeah. dude, when do you have a kid? Oh, I'm already, <laughs> I'm already on edge about anything happening to kids in movies. I can only wait, imagine. Wait until you have a kid. Like it's just, it gets ten times more intense. Uh, Travis comes running in, but Sarah stops him from going further. Paul tells Will to back up because there's blood, and they came back inside the house, uh, locking the door behind them. And this makes this makes so much sense about like the blood part. Because uh, you're just like thinking, like, well, okay, there's blood, so maybe they didn't get infected by this. Well, Paul, when he killed uh, Bud, he put the pillow over his head. Oh yeah, and I think he did that mainly because blood splatter, blood splatter, right? Not not just uh, yeah, out of respect sure. to well, to I Bud, I but thought it was blood splatter because he didn't want to um, have the bang be so loud that it alerts people around them. It's probably a little bit of yeah, everything. Maybe yeah, it could be all of the above. Yeah. Yeah, could be all of that. Um, it's but like D, I, all of the above. Yeah, it's, it's D. <laughs> SATs. Um, Paul tells Will to wait there, and he tells his family to go to the living room so they can talk. Sarah is asking him what's going on, and Travis is going towards the door. Paul tells him to wait, and that it is Stanley, and he's sick. Surprised, Travis questions this. Paul tells Sarah to take Travis and get Andrew and Kim, then wait in the living room while while uh, him and Will handle it. Travis lets him know. Uh, Travis lets him know that. He wants to see him. Paul tells him that he can't. Travis asks him, ask him, how does he even know that uh, he's sick while trying to push his way past his dad, calling the, calling the situation bullshit. Paul yells and he and yells that he doesn't he doesn't want to be the bad guy and continues to lay lay it in into him initially being the bad guy that he is going he's not going into that room because Stanley is fucking sick. And I mean, granted, yeah, he's trying to protect his son, but. I mean, it is his son's dog, and if, if, all he has to do is just put some gloves on and a mask, then let him see his dog, I like, agree. say goodbye. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, he commands Sarah to take... Oh, go ahead, for, uh, David. Sorry. I was going to say, I just totally agree. Yeah, like, I mean, I would I would want my kid to be like, okay, let's say some last words. So you got to do it for your grandpa, who was sick. Yeah. 
Exactly. And like, why can't you do it for your like, for your dog? You can. Like, you made me wheelbarrow exactly. my fucking grandpa. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like, so come on. He commands Sarah to uh, take him into the living room and quickly apologizes to his son. Uh, to her son. Uh, oh, excuse me, to his son. While she takes him back towards the living room, Paul puts on his mask, grabs his gun, and heads back into the room with Stanley. Sarah, Kim, Andrew, and Travis are all sitting in the living room while Travis anxiously takes his body. Then, one gunshot. Sarah tr- uh, tries to grab his hand, but he doesn't take it. He just continues to rapidly tap his foot while letting out one sob. Cut to the men outside buying, uh, bur- burying Stanley um, and setting his, bu- his body on fire while Travis stares into the flames. They are all sitting at the table and Paul tells the, gr- tells the group that Will and Will and he- tells the group that Will and himself um, should, should be the only ones that go outside from now on. Sh- uh, sharing, sharing that they don't that they don't know what got Stanley sick and that it could have been anything. He then turns his attention um, towards Travis to ask him if he went inside the room before they got there. He tells him that he is positive that he didn't. And, and he and will ask him if that he just opened the door and he didn't go, uh, go inside. Travis tells him that he didn't touch the door and that it was already open. Sarah asked him, ask if the door was open and he got in uh, when he got there, and he tells her that it was. She then asks who opened the door. He tells them he tells them that he doesn't know, and it could have been Andrew. Kim, coming to her, fun, her son's defense, tells him that he was asleep in their room. Travis tells her that he wasn't, and that he uh, he was in his grandpa's room. But Will cuts him off, asking him, uh, "What is he talking about?" He stutters that he he put Andrew in his in their room before they both woke up, and this is. A really intense moment, actually. It really is. Like this is where you're actually starting to see, like, okay, they're both getting kind of scary. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like Will and Kim are are officially becoming a little bit more intimidating. And you can't blame oh. them, right? Because they're on edge because yeah. their five year old child's being accused. But I think this is a moment where I felt like Travis really was a seventeen year old because he's not aware of the weight of his words. He's like, I don't know, maybe it was Andrew. And then it's like, he doesn't understand what that's going to bring to the entire situation. Right. 100%. Um, and he he doesn't explain himself thoroughly enough. He doesn't explain why he said that and until he's provoked to. Um, it's true. It could have been handled a lot better, but... Um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but I think no matter what the ending, it, it's hard to escape where this leads. Right. Sarah asks why they are just hearing about this now, and he is and he's about to ask uh, when when was he supposed to tell them? Totally a seventeen year old thing right there. <laughs> but Paul cuts him off, um, asking him it, to tell them literally everything that just happened. Travis tells them that Andrew was in his, his was in grandpa's room and he was having a nightmare. So he woke him up and brought him to Will to Will and Kim's room. He continues telling them that he went he went to the back hallway, saw the door open, heard something and then woke them up. Uh Kim asks for uh, confirmation about Andrew being in another room and he tells her that he was. Kim uh looks over to her son and asks him if that is true. He slightly stutters that he doesn't know and that he can't remember. She asks him if he saw Stanley last night, and uh, and he continues telling her that he can't remember. Frustrated and impatient, she tells him uh, to think real hard and tell her if he can remember, but he repeats that he can't. Damn. Poor baby. Pounding a kid that small, you know? I know. Like, that's tough. 
but I mean, at, at this point in time, like Kathleen and I were taking our, our, our parenting classes and there's a fucking fact in there where it's just like kids learn the, uh, kids develop the ability to lie at the age of two. Terrible because twos. They, they, exactly. Terrible twos. So it's just like, I mean, yeah, he could, he could be lying, like just trying not to get in trouble. Right. So, I mean, but it, who knows? Who knows? She asked him. How, uh, she asked him how can can he not remember? Paul is staring at him, and then ask him if he sleepwalks. Kim immediately tells him that he doesn't sleepwalk. Well, uh, and like she gets like super offended by that. She's like, he doesn't sleepwalk, and she's like, well, I mean, what if he does? You yeah. know, like it's not that big of a deal. It just we know now. Like we need to like watch him. Will chimes in saying that uh, this doesn't uh, make any sense because Andrew isn't even tall enough to reach these locks. Mm. Touche. Yeah. Good line. He asks Travis if he is positive that the door was open, and he tells him yes. Kim asks how could he be positive and that uh, it was in the middle of the night, adding that he could have been half asleep. He tells her that it was wide that he was wide awake and that uh, he's positive, but she cuts him off, telling him that she isn't um, she isn't saying that he's lying, but uh, maybe he's not remembering correctly. Travis tells her uh, tells her that he knows what he saw, apologizes, and says that the door was open. Paul cuts everyone off, telling them that he is not going to jump to any conclusions, but they, but that they all shouldn't interact for a day or so just to be safe. Travis is trying to tell them that um, that he is sure it is fine, but he tells Travis that he's just taking proper precautions. Then ask if they if that sounds fair to everybody. They all agree. Paul tells Will and Kim to take Andrew, get some food and water, and stay in their room for a while. Will frustratedly agrees, and Paul apologizes, but he thinks this is best. Kim gathers Andrew and starts heading out. Paul tells Sarah and Travis that they are going to do the same. Travis tries to interject, but Sarah tells him uh, tells him to go. Will angrily gets up from the table, irritatedly agreeing to Paul, thinking uh, it being a good idea that they stay apart for a while. Cut to Paul coming into the room, and he tells Travis, and he calls Travis over, asking for him to look look him in the eye and tell him the truth about not touching the door. Travis tells him that he didn't, and Paul asks if he if he touched Andrew with uh, with tears. Uh, if he touched Andrew with tears, Travis tells him that he did, and uh, he held his hand and he brought him into his room. It's just like oof, man. Yeah. Like w- when he said that, because I wasn't even thinking. Until, like, they were, like, at the table and stuff like that. Like, I wasn't even thinking about the infection. Really? Until, well, it was, it was, like, I knew they were talking about the infection. But I wasn't thinking of it, like, it being that big of a deal or Andrew being inf- infected initially. That's very interesting. I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was just mainly based off of, the, like, okay, yeah, the door's open. Maybe, maybe he did touch the door or whatever. I never considered, like, oh, Andrew's infected. Right. Kind of thing. Maybe, maybe because I'm super paranoid, but the moment I saw Andrew just laying on the floor in a random room, I was like, "Ooh, he's sick!" And that, I thought he was dreaming. Okay, and I, yeah, and the the camera work even emphasizes on it them feels holding like hands, that. like yeah. that's a big moment. And um, right when I saw that, I'm like, "This is the end of Travis." Mm, damn. Hyper aware. Now, do you guys think but it was Travis? That too trusting. Yeah. Now that is interesting to me because I cannot, I cannot get to a point where I can make a like an assumption of who 
open the door. And I think it's just another thing that we'll never know. Right. I think it's Travis, though. I think Travis actually does sleepwalk. But why did yeah. he um, get sick first? Well, that's the thing. That's I think so Travis weird. did get sick. I think Travis did get sick first. Um, hmm. Because remember, there's a scene where Travis and um, Andrew are like drawing together by themselves. And they have a very close interaction with each other. So, I don't know. I don't remember. I remember a scene where Travis is drawing on his own and then Paul walks into the room. Right. But there's a scene. Uh, it's during the Prior. montage. Oh, right. Okay. When okay. they're like playing the game and all that stuff. Uh, there's a moment where it's Travis and him together. I think Travis actually was infected since his grandpa. To be oh, completely honest. Or, like, I, and I actually think all, most of these people were infected, or, to be completely honest. theory that just came up in my mind, what if he sleepwalks and because he's, you know, attracted to Kim, maybe sleptwalked into the room, took Andrew while sleepwalking to go outside maybe. to look for Stanley and then came yeah. back and, like, placed him down in his grandpa's room. Um, right. Damn. I mean, who knows, though? Yeah, and, and also think of this, right? I mean, think think of children. Their immune systems are a lot a lot smaller than ours, right? right? So, him him being a child, maybe he just got sick faster and showed symptoms sooner. Interesting. Maybe. Wow. Or maybe it was oh, the weird stuff in know. the in the woods that we never know if there is some creepy. I things. don't think anything's out there to be completely honest. <laughs> or maybe it's. I don't know. I heard that crunching. <laughs> Maybe whatever it is, is. I didn't hear crunching. I just saw it in, in the closed captions. Right. I was like, what is that? Maybe, maybe whatever it is, it's just outside Freddy's door. Stop. Absolutely <laughs> <not>. <laughs> I'm sorry, Freddy. Uh, Travis tries uh, reasoning with them. Uh, excuse me. Frustrated, frustratedly touching his face, Paul confirms that he he wasn't wearing any gloves or mask. Travis tries reasoning with him, asking him why would he wear them inside the house. Paul tells tells them that they are all going to wash up and not leave this room. Sarah kisses her son on the cheek, trying to provide some sense of comfort for him. Cut to Travis taking an extremely low uh, water pressure shower. That sounds horrible. And lying down on his makeshift bed uh, on the floor with his parents uh, in his parents' room. Travis turns over to, the, uh, to transition into another dream. He is walking down the hall through the red door. He goes outside, um, hearing Stanley barking in the, dis- in the distance. He puts down his lantern, uh, lantern, picks up a rifle, turning on the flashlight on the gun. He begins moving closer and closer towards Stanley's barking that is getting more and more intense. There is something else with Stanley, snarling, growling, and squealing. Travis, uh, Travis's face it has nothing but pure terror as he sees what he, uh, what he can only see, uh, what we can only hear. He quote unquote wakes up and starts th- uh, th- uh, throwing up black goop into his hands. He starts checking himself um, and notices that he uh, he has uh, these welts starting to form on his forearm. He looks up and sees his infected grandpa breathing heavily and, um, and starting to wail at, uh, well at him. Travis wakes up from yet another nightmare, but the welts are still on his on his arms. He immediately starts wiping his, his arms frantically just to realize that there is nothing there. He hears some muffled crying behind, uh, beyond the walls, and he go and he gets up closer to the door. It sounds like Andrew is crying. Travis opens the door to investigate the cries. Cut to Travis opening up the cupboard, overhearing Will telling Andrew that he needs to try to stay quiet. Andrew cry, uh, cries the words out, out. 
and while and while telling him to not be bad and just be quiet. Now, damn, whatever is going on, this sounds vicious. It sounds painful. It almost sounds demonic. Like, kind of. It sounds yeah. like he he's telling something inside him to get out. Right. Mm. It's very interesting. Kim tells him that they need to leave, and Will tells her that he knows. While Andrew continues his cries, she lets him know that they're going to that they're going to hear Andrew, and Will tells her um, that he knows. Travis goes back into his parents' room and wakes up his parents. He shares that he thinks Andrew might be sick. Paul immediately wakes up, turning on his, turning on the light, asking him to clarify. Travis tells him that Andrew is cr- was crying while he was listening in the attic, and they are planning on leaving. Paul gets up, shushes him after he repeats it, and and slowly opens the door to listen to listen into the house. Sarah asks him if he hears anything, and he tells her that he does. Then asks Travis how. Um, um, how is he feeling? Travis, surprise, musters up, quote, yeah, I'm fine, end quote, while trying to uh, uh, hold back tears. Paul, slightly weary of his son, locks their door, and Travis asks what uh, what do they do? Sarah tells him that they don't um, have many options and lets him know that they will take their, their food and water if they uh, want to leave. Travis asks why uh, they can't just give them what's fair and take them back to the house they came from. She questions him on where on where does he think they will go when they run out of food? It's just like true. That's, that's pretty fair. Yeah. Paul Paul chimes in that he hasn't seen people uh, when they get desperate, trying to stick up for them. Travis continues telling them that uh, that they won't come back here to put them at risk. Sarah tells him that he doesn't know that. Meanwhile, Paul is loading up his guns, putting on his mask and gloves, and the other two continue to argue about the the other family. And this is just beautifully acted right this is like an orchestra of just perfect acting to me oh it's funny it's like travis you're the one that snitched on them and now you're like oh wait you shouldn't do that i I didn't say anything come on exactly (laughs) travis tells her that she doesn't get it and if there's if they are sick then he is as well she tells him she tells him that they don't know um and to stay there and they will be right back before leaving she whispers that she loves him um, Paul and Sarah head out head out into the house and can overhear Andrew coughing and crying while Kim while Will and Kim are are trying to quiet him down. Paul and Sarah move closer to their room and Paul knocks on the door asking if everything is okay while Sarah hides back behind. Will tells him that Andrew just had a nightmare and that he is sorry to wake him. Paul, persistent, to ask if he can come in and check on him. Will tells him that it isn't a good time right now and reminds him that he said that they shouldn't see each other right now anyway. Paul tells him that he wants to make sure that he is okay and that he will feel much better if he could come in and take a look at him, then ask if it's okay for him to do that. Will doesn't say anything, and Paul tries the door trying to reason with him, reminding him that this is his house and that he invited them here. Andrew yells no extremely loud. Impatient, Paul slams on the door, uh, door, uh, yelling for him to open the fucking door. Open the fucking door. Like, if he wants to come in, at that point, I would just be like, I mean, fuck, like, he's coughing and shit. They obviously hear him. Yeah, come in and take a look at, at him or whatever. But obviously, Will's formulating a plan, right? Like, yeah. He's just, like, trying to buy time initially. He was going to open the door because uh, there's nowhere for him to go. He has to. I empathize um, with Will because if it were, like, my kid, I would, to the very last breath, just, like, fight to protect him or her. Oh, 100%. Or them. 100%. I, yo, Paul would have definitely have gotten these hands for sure. Um, 
Will agrees agrees to let him in while Kim tries to calm Andrew down. He slowly creaks the door open and he asks where where's Travis and Sarah. Paul looks away for a moment, telling him that they are in the in a room are in the room, but Will busts out of the door, pointing his his handgun at him, demanding that he takes that he take his his hand off his gun, uh, then pointing the gun at his head. And I fucking love this zero to one hundred shit right here. Mm-hmm. Right? Damn, I thought I thought Will was so badass in this moment. I was like, woof. Yeah. Good for Man. you, Will. It's one of those things. It's like hell yeah. You know, both families are kind of in the right. They're both trying to protect their own and stuff like that. And that's yeah, what makes absolutely. a great movie too. Is that there's no bad guys here. Essentially, there are right. two people doing what they got to do to protect their own family, and you feel both parties. Absolutely, so it's great. Absolutely, Paul agrees, and Will takes his gun, then uh, tells him to come inside and shut the door, then go to the corner of the room. He obliges, while Will continues demanding him to go towards the wall. Gun pointed directly at him. Will commands for Paul to take off his mask, and Paul shakes his head and and he yells for Paul to take his mask off, and that there's no one sick in here. Andrew was crying while Kim holds him, and Will tells him to keep his eyes closed. And I really want to look at his eyes. I really want to see if they were actually black like how they are in, uh, oh, in his dreams. Yeah, I really want cool. to see it. Will reverts back to Paul, telling him that he's sorry and they uh, appreciate everything he um, he's done, but they want to leave. They are already packed up and ready to go. He tells Paul that he knows uh, he knows he how he is and how he goes near his, and if he goes near his wife and kid, he will fucking end his life. I do not blame you. And like that's the thing, like he saw Paul's character right off the bat. He's like, I know how you are. I know you're trigger happy, and I'm not going to allow you to get near my kid and wife. Mm-hmm. It's very Will tells him. Sorry, I was going to say it was very. It's very homed in on reality on how people would actually absolutely. act. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. Will tells him that he just wants to take what is what is fair. They uh, want enough food and water. Then they will be on their way, and he will never see them again. Asking for his understanding. Now, this I did believe. I believe that he would never have popped up again. Paul agrees. Will softly tells Kim to take Andrew, shielding his eyes. Paul tries to say something about being about him being sick, but Will quiets him down. Kim opens the door. Will grabs his bag and tells him to move slowly, commanding him to turn around and go go to the stairs while telling his wife to be careful. It did seem like the door was kind of locked for a second because you kind of struggled to get that door open uh, in the big for a bit. Yeah, but. Yeah, I, I when I first saw that, I was like, "Oh, did she lock the door on her ass?" It's <laughs> like, "Oh shit!" Uh, Will continues commanding him, uh, commanding him down the stairs, and he looks up, seeing Sarah in the corner with a rifle pointed directly at him, coming from the shadows. She comes out, telling him to get the gun back to Paul. Will tells her that they just want to leave, and she repeats her demand. Will apologizes, letting her know that he can't do that. Kim asks him what's going on, and he tells her that uh, tells her that it is okay. Sarah continues pointing the gun at him, at him asking him to not do this. Will tells, tells her that they are just trying to leave and to take what is fair between the both of them, and they will never see them again. She nods her head in agreement, and then Will tells her that uh, he is going to count to three, and they both uh, will lower their guns. She agrees and begins the countdown then lowers his uh then lowers his gun he is about to give the same instructions but paul starts wrestling him for the gun will yells for kim to run then paul 
uh, knocks him out. Travis overhears and stands up from the commotion. Back with his parents, Sarah is frantically asking where Kim ran off to. Paul yells that he doesn't know. Paul starts yelling at Will uh, while Travis paces back and forth in the room. Sarah catches up to, to Kim, trying to leave out of the house. She yells for Kim to sit in the corner. Kim pleads for them to let her go, and Sarah yells for her to stop talking and to not move. Back with Paul and Will on the stairs, he is trying to tie Will up and yells for him to stop moving while he is struggling to tell him to stop. And both these women, I actually want to compliment on their acting because yeah, they are so good. They are phenomenal. Truly, um, I think I think uh, Sarah's Carmen Ichago, and um, I think Kim is Riley Keough, um, but. Both of them are fantastic, but Riley Keough, she's she's awesome. She's been in so much shit um, lately. Like she was in that new movie with uh, to, uh, Tom Holland, um, but she was also in Mad Max Fury Road. She oh was hell in yeah, Lucky. She was in. Uh, she's in uh, the movie that we're talking about um, next week. Uh, she was in the House of Jack Built. She was in Under the Silver Lake. She's in so much shit, and she's just a fantastic actress. Like she's really really good. And I feel like I feel like she doesn't get as enough accolades because I, I feel like most people know her from uh the devil all the time or um which is her most recent movie or the lodge but hey she was in just a shit ton of stuff and i think she's fantastic uh, meanwhile, Travis is still stuck in the room, pacing back and forth, wondering what to do next. Paul throws Will down, downstairs with uh, Kim and Andrew. Sarah tells Paul to open the door because they are sick. He opens the door and Will starts giving him a few fuck yous. Fuck you, Paul. Come on, Paul. Fuck you. <laughs> while Paul returns it back to him while striking him. He's like, no, fuck you. Kim is sobbing while Paul grabs him. Uh, grabs Will and takes him in the uh, in the wheelbarrow outside, then dumping him on the ground. Kim calls out to Will and Sarah shushes her. Paul is yelling for Will to get up while Travis is huddle, huddled um, inside the house. Will starts um, starts spitting and gagging while all all on while on all fours. He um, he and Paul and Paul's like like yo stop stop fucking around blah 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 like get up yada yada yada. He gets up smacking Paul's hand out of out of the way. Firing the gun in the air. Travis runs out of the room calling for his mom and dad. While uh, Will starts bashing in Paul's head. And this shit is brutal, dude. So yeah, brutal. it definitely like, is. I wasn't expecting oh that from Will. Yeah. I, I, you, you know, after you guys see Possessor, you will. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely will. Because it's, it's some shit. Um... While Sarah is yelling for him to stop, but Will keeps going. Sarah shoots him in the back, causing Kim to run deeper into the woods. Paul calls out to Kim, um, telling her to stop, then calling out to Sarah to stop them. She is frozen cold, so Paul takes takes the gun fr uh, from her, pointing it in Kim's direction, yelling for her to stop, then shoots in her direction, causing her and Andrew to fall to the ground. Travis runs outside, and all you can hear is, is Kim screaming no while sobbing for her baby. Heartbreaking, dude. So sad, say. dude. This scene, I got man. choked up. I I did as well. Like that that scream was brutal. It was almost almost not not too close, but almost on par with Tony Collette and Hereditary. Right. But like you feel almost. that gut wrench. Maybe fifty percent. Maybe fifty. Exactly. You're right, David. It was it was almost not quite. Not even. 
and truly, honestly, not close. But <laughs> but it was still you felt it. Oh, for sure. But damn, that's so sad. Oh man. Paul runs over to her and she is screaming that that he killed her baby, her son. Meanwhile, Will is on the ground gasping for air. Kim yells for him to kill her. Um, with uh, Kim yells for for him to kill her, and with a brief hesitation, and I mean very brief, very brief, he takes a shot, killing right. her. Like he just he's almost zero hesitation. I think that was. I I think it it sounds fucked up, but I think that was the best thing he could have done. For sure, it was just like 100%. quick yeah. and uh, merciful. Uh, yeah, I think I was very disappointed with Sarah. I was like, Sarah, if you're gonna take the shot, commit. You know, don't <laughs> let him just sit there tor- being in agony. Finish the yeah. job. Right. Travis sheds a single tear and then begins to cry alongside his mother, noticing Will has stopped moving. Paul looks around, checking the damages from the situation. Sarah calls out to her son. Travis, uh, Travis in his um, note. Excuse me. She starts calling out to her son, Travis, and his nose starts to bleed. Cut to him running inside the bathroom, gagging, gagging into a sink. He looks up at himself in the mirror and he looks like complete shit. Like he's just he's sweating. Uh, and he didn't even throw up. He just kind of dry heaved. Yeah, right? Right. he wants to throw up. Yeah. We cut to black and then see Paul sitting on the bed in Bud's room, opening a bottle of alcohol, taking a nice gulp. Sarah's in her room, uh, sitting, staring off into the distance. Travis is lying in bed, and we fade to black, transitioning to Sarah, crying over uh, the bedside of Travis. He calls out to her, and she tells she tells him that it is going to be okay, and that everything is... Um, going to be okay. Travis closes his eyes and she tells him uh, that he can let go now. Fade to Travis walking down the dark hallway with that now iconic lantern into the open red door. His mom whispers his name while Paul starts to sob. Cut to Paul and Sarah sitting at the dinner table without their son staring at each other. Wondering. Now what? Then credits. I really like that ending. I love that ending, man. Because I think I love that ending. I think you're going to die. Oh, that ending is fantastic because it, in my eyes, I feel like they are actually, they all have it. Right. It would be quite impossible for them not to. Well, I, I, I don't know if I maybe <clears throat> saw it incorrectly, but I thought in that shot, they have sign, physical signs of it on them. Um, I just don't think they cleaned up after got it. all True. the shit that happened. Got it. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's heavy. It leaves you feeling very heavy. It does. No, it's it's a it's an intense ending, but I really enjoy this movie. Right, I don't same. adore it. It doesn't get a, it doesn't get a Prince adore rating, <laughs> but I do enjoy it. I, I definitely enjoy this movie a lot. Um, but like I said, I think I'm okay not seeing this again. Like it, it, it's a good, it's a good watch, but I think I'm good. I think I think it, I, think I, I understand. I, <laughs> I did not enjoy this movie in the moment, but I very much enjoyed analyzing it. I think it's right. a beautifully made movie i'm just Absolutely. i'm just a little baby <laughs> and it makes me feel <laughs> uh very sad and well i'm gonna tell you to watch cartoons for the next movie that's beforehand true <laughs> beforehand and after because fuck all right because i mean it's intense well we'll talk after we'll talk after <laughs> oh man but uh i got one movie fact for us one movie, movie fact, fact? <laughs> One movie fizz act. Um, now this is an interesting one. I, they're technically, <clears throat> excuse me, they're technically are a few facts for this movie, but a lot of them are kind of just like 
whatever. They're just meh. Um, but initially, director Trey Edward Schultz, simple, uh, simplest explanation of the film's title, which he spoke of at, the, at a screening in Chicago, is that the title came to him early on in the writing process before characters and plot were even developed, and it stuck out to him. He uh, he has also said it can be, represent the need to rest, but at night, fear and anxiety can take over. That's fascinating, and I think it was communicated very well throughout well, this film. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Uh, you know what? This one kind of sounds interesting, so why not? Movie facts. Joel- <laughs> Joe Edgerton's character Paul states that he was a teacher before the world started falling apart. Um, Edgerton's character was a teacher in the movie The Warrior. Warrior, Or Warrior. Yep. So, if you want to base it off of that, off Warrior... It's a sequel. uh, (laughs) It's... Well, I mean, base it off of that, 2011 to now, or to 2017. Same universe. Confirmed. That'd be crazy, because he's ripped in that, too. So, survival skills? I can see it. I mean, Joe Edgerton is fucking ripped in general. Yeah. But... Oh, yeah, so I found confirmation down here that it is speculated that Will could be a current slash former alcoholic, judging by his demeanor when Paul brings out the whiskey bottle. Yeah. Nice. So, I mean, not nice, but yeah. Yeah. You know what? Here's another one. Travis in his his dream never opened the red door. The red door is probably a metaphor for death. But when he is finally shown sick at the end of the movie, he opened the door and went inside, It thus uh, symbolizing his ultimate demise. Yes, red means death in kinda, movies. Kind of interesting. Melancholic when you put it that way. Yeah, definitely. Uh, during the climax, the aspect ratio slowly transitions from uh, 2.40 uh, uh, by 1 to th- uh, 3.00 by 1 and stays that way for the remainder of the film, possibly to symbolize how Travis's family has progressively tunnel vision themselves into thinking that Will's family is sick and denying that Travis is actually the sick one. Mm. I think I may have noticed that. Dude, that's wild. Uh, yeah, he, uh, this this director is actually very well known for doing stuff like this. He did it in all three of his films. Got it. He did it in uh, in Kershaw, I think though his first film is and then Waves, um, Waves, and this. for sure Waves. Yeah, yeah. So he 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 did it in all these films. But um, initially, yeah, like that's that's what I like to think. Of. I like to think Travis was the one who was sick, and he's the one who got Andrew sick. Mm. That's what it. I like to think. I could see it. So, I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. So, hey. But anyway, everybody, let us know what you thought of It Comes at Night over on Twitter, at GoodNightLife. That's night with a K. You can uh, keep this conversation going, because I, I definitely want to know your guys' thoughts. I want to talk about this movie. This movie's a very fun one to break down and talk about, so let us know. But next week, we are going to be talking about The Lodge, which I'm very excited to talk about, which another character uh, from this particular movie is in that movie as well. So, Isolation Horror Month in full effect. So, let us know what you definitely think of that film. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. Alongside me, we had David. Stay spooky, everyone. Also known as Nightly. In the other end there, we had Freddy. Always keeping it spooky. 
Always and Forever, also known as Nighty Night. Our efforts to get our show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife and that's night with a what? By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.